Hello, 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 and welcome to episode 85 of Cutscene Combos. We have got a very, very busy episode this week. We've got a character profile on Loki. We've got the finale to Ahsoka series, uh, season one. Season one. Hori has finally watched most of Most of the, the boys. boys. I failed on uh, my challenge. So, so we'll be uh, discussing his views on that. Um, we've got a little, little preview of Loki season two. Um, little bits that need to be discussed. We've got a busy nerd news network this week with some batterings of interesting news. Yeah. Um, and our content championship is Star Wars Rebels versus Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. But before all of that. Horizontal, how's your week? Oh, I feel like I've had like a wild week. So, on top of last week's episode, me making the bold challenge to myself that, like, yeah, I'll watch all of the boys and Gen V in a week. I wanted to be hour long episodes. I wanted to be stated I could have done it if I was organized. <laughs> if I had any sense of organization, I would have achieved it no problem but me being me um leaving work till there's like a looming deadline to motivate me to get work done uh looking after a girlfriend who was not very well and then squeezing in the boys plus other things going on like it feels like it's been a wild week and a very busy week you almost needed to like sit down and plan your day out to the hour to work out how you were going to do it. Yeah. Um, it's, I, if I'd been more organized, I should have been watching more of it while also doing work and multitasking that way. But I wasn't, I got fully that, locked in on work. That's why I consume like all of my content now. It's terrible. Um, but I mean, other than that, I had a good week, played some games. I actually went and saw a non, a film we, we, wouldn't be discussing on the podcast oh, when it's all saw. Oh, oh nice was it any good um i thought it was I've all right yeah i've heard it's one of the stronger entries it's so my girlfriend's very much into the saw films she is like a saw nerd on the timeline and everything as so i was i i'm not i've like seen the older ones i've had i've not seen them all or anything but i was like yeah, i'm down to go i would say if you're not someone who's fully watched all the Saw movies, like it's fine. You could go into that film without any kind of any prior knowledge to the Saw films, really. I uh, I would say it was. It added. It, it's a mediocre. If you're a big Saw fan, it didn't really add anything for you. I don't think. If you enjoy the Saw films, yeah, it's fine. It lent more on like story side than saw trap side which i think saw films are meant to lean saw trap side because that's kind of like yeah. their thing um i say it was okay overall it was nothing i wouldn't say it was anything special i feel like saw has gone the same way as scream it had a really good unique selling point mm. that made it such a popular franchise and then because it got so popular it felt a need to try and become something better when yeah. people just like no, I I like what you did last time. Obviously, improve it so it's higher quality, but don't try and like, yeah, change it, it all together. It's one of those franchises where it's like they could have very easily just stopped, but they're trying to definitely milk it. 
But yeah, it was. Do you realise how how good horror films are for the film economy? So I didn't realise this, but I saw someone no. talking about it. The budget for like the big horror films mm. is like fifty million dollars. Okay. Because they are like normally rated eighteen, so they don't normally yeah. make as much money. Yeah. But they'll go out there and earn two hundred million consistently. Which means they're guaranteed a hundred and fifty million dollars in profit every time they pump another one out. So it makes sense why they want to keep. It's like the safest bet in filmmaking is a horror film. Yeah, if you get a horror Um, franchise going, then it it, you saw it. Yeah, Uh, yeah, and then when you have a massive hit, like the first Saw film was done for like ten thousand dollars or whatever, and made it didn't make actually loads of money, but like it was a cult classic and made money that way. But like in cinema, it made like a couple of million, so everyone was like. Hold the phone. <laughs> We've got. We're on to something now. Wait it. Wait it. Well, I mean, they're, they're still bringing them out today. So yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. How's your week been? Um. How has my week been? That's a really good question. <laughs> um. Good. I'd say it's been okay. good. Um. There's definitely a little bug or something going around, but I'm starting oh. to get over that now. I feel a lot better in myself today. That's good. I kind of fucked my fingers up at work the other day. So they're like bandaged up and just... I'm really weird when it comes to injuries for my fingers. Okay. So like, even if it's just like a little cut, I mm. get like really like, I just don't want to look at it. Um, But on my thumb that is bandaged still, I've definitely broken the nail pretty badly. Ouch. And I just... I'm like, I need to find a way to not Deal with rip this. that off. Yeah. <laughs> um so we'll see how that goes but yeah so that that's just been kind of annoying yeah, because no. like even though they're like thin bandages just having it around like the tips of your forefinger and your thumb mm-hmm. you're just kind of like i feel like i can't use anything I, the way I know it's intended um but yeah other than that's been pretty good i enjoyed gen v but we'll be talking about that next week yes we will um and i think you'll really go like it but i'll have a better idea of if you're gonna like it or not once we get into the boys um nice. but we're starting to get to that time where I'm actually quietly confident that character profiles are going to get a bit easier. Okay. Because we've got Loki coming up. Mm-hmm. And when a Marvel DC project come out, that's always easy character profiles. Or Usually. easier character profiles. Yeah. But also, you're going to finish the boys. Yeah. So, so I can, can do start. some of the boys' character profiles. You can. And they're going to be wildly different because the shows have reworked the comics so much that it will be a no risk of really spoiling anything but also you can see what they've yeah. taken from the character so that'll be exciting but we've got the obvious one that i can't believe we haven't done yet in 84 episodes loki yeah, i i saw this and i was like are we sure we haven't done loki already we we have um surprised when they're doing chicken. him during season one <laughs> Well, we had a little bit of time there where I was kind of of the opinion, do we bother doing massive characters? Yeah. Um, because it, sometimes it can fall on deaf ears, but sometimes people are more interested in massive characters, so end up showing more interest mm. in learning a bit more about them. Um, and we've had a, like some of our better character profiles have been on tiny nothing characters and big characters so who knows but yes loki or loki laufison first appearance 
in Venus number six, May 1949. Um, so while this is his first appearance in a Marvel comic, that first appearance wasn't the Loki we would come to know. But that okay. is still his first appearance. Okay. Um, born to Farbati and Laufey, the queen and king of the frost giants of Jotunheim, he was seen as an embarrassment due to how small he was at birth. And this left him separated and hidden away from the other giants. Mm -hmm. um, and his father just ridiculed him and verbally abused him and probably physically abused him. Um, now, this is where the article was a little bit confusing, so I've tried to piece it together as best I can. But it seems like a future version of Loki at some point Mm -hmm. went back in time and taught his younger self how to manipulate people. Okay. Um, so what Loki then did is during a battle um, in a war between the Frost Giants and then as Guardians, mm. Loki goaded his father into attacking Odin. Um, Odin being such a fearsome warrior defeated Laufey. Mm -hmm. And Loki then faked grief and rage, and this caused Odin to take pity and gr and feel sorry for Loki, thus adopting him. At which point, future Loki would then jump back in to beat the fuck out of his father um, for the years of abuse. Um, sure. And this is where Loki would then become Loki Odinson. As yep. he would be known. Um, and he would meet his adopted brother, Thor. Um, and throughout their childhood and adolescences, Loki and Thor didn't really see eye to eye. It was very much a kind of one-sided rivalry because Thor didn't view Loki as a rival because he always won. Mm. Um, and it, it's a little bit tricky because I feel like with how Marvel portrayed it, I actually do, for the most part, like this portrayal of what would a sibling rivalry look like if they were basically immortal gods. Yeah. And for the most part, that is what it looks like. Um, Agreed. But Loki did resent Thor in a very serious way. He felt, once again, like an outcast because the people of Asgard loved Thor. Because he was what they valued in Asgard. His strength, his tenacity, how brave he was in battle mm -hmm. are all things that the Asgardians were proud to celebrate and they looked for in their leaders. Whereas Loki's skilled skills lied more with witchcraft and wizardry and manipulation and stuff that was less impressive to Asgardians. Um... In a, in a different world, Loki is adopted by Samuel L. Jackson or Nick Fury, rather. Um, and he becomes a great spy, do you know what I mean? And yeah. Probably a what-if story there. What if Loki was adopted by yeah. Nicholas Fury? Um, another area of um, great contention between mm -hmm. Thor and Loki, again, unbeknownst to Thor, was Lady Sif. Um, Lady Sif is, of course, a major love interest for Thor. Um, but when they were younger, Loki also had a crush on Lady Sif. 
And when the attention was not reciprocated and he could tell that she was far more interested in Thor, he was enraged. And like the little psychopath he is, he decided to sneak into her room while she slept and cut off her hair. Um, When confronted by Thor, he claimed it was just a prank. Just a prank, bro. Just a prank, bro. Just a prank, bro. Um, At which point he offered to visit the dwarves of Niflheim to make her new hair. Coming. Um, And also some gifts for his family to try and buy their favour. Of course, the dwarves of Niflheim were the dwarves who made Mjolnir Mm -hmm. and a lot of other powerful items. Um, Over the years, Loki has been a thorn in the side of Thor, for sure. The Avengers. He's had many Mm -hmm. other encounters with many heroes. I feel like a lot of his more iconic encounters have come from the Ultimates universe, which is where I believe he turned Peter Parker into Spider-Ham. And we had Throg. I believe that was the Ultimates universe. Um, A big thing that, I mean, people are a bit more aware of now, but didn't necessarily know up until the last couple of years, is that Loki is gender fluid. Mm. In his god status, he has been Mm -hmm. Depicted as a man, a woman, everything in between. He's appeared as animals, um, which is very interesting. I think originally they kind of were just like, "Well, he's a god of mischief. He's gonna, he's gonna float around and make yeah. himself blend in a bit better and blah blah blah." But when you actually get to it, like the perfect opportunity for someone, because I. In reality, you can hide in basically every situation without having to fully change what you look like. There's a little bit of like, no, Luke, Loki's just like, as an outcast, he's very desperate to fit in. Yeah. So him bending into what is ever needed to fit in, be that an animal to blend in with animals, a woman to blend in with women, a man to blend in with men, he's yeah. like, I will be that. Yeah. And that is kind of this whole idea of, He's just, he's fluid. Like, there's no other way to put yeah. it. Um, Loki's a really interesting character. I definitely think there are some parts about his comic version I prefer. Um, I think his powers are a bit more consistent in the MCU and therefore mm. less confusing. Um, and I think his character arc has been better in the MCU. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think he's a very, very good returning decently high level villain for numerous characters in the comics Um, and it would have been nice if maybe he would have got a little bit more time as a villain in Marvel yeah, um, instead of wherever we're at now but it was always going to be difficult to keep Tom Hiddleston as uh, someone you're rooting against for a long time Um, but that is Loki We'll mm-hmm. be seeing more of him, I mean, right about now. Weeks. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it'll be curious to see where he goes next in his story um, and where else we see him throughout time, I guess. Mm. Talking of father problems, <laughs> Ahsoka. I'm very smooth. Uh, what can uh, I say? Oh. Uh, this. I, I just would like to say thank you, Dave. Thank you. So, 
I'm I'm going to be controversial. And you're not going to like oh, what I'm going to say. Is this Ahsoka is Ahsoka is a good show. It is. Andor's clears it. Andor clears it. And this is simply, I think, an objective thing. I don't actually think this is a subjective thing. Yeah. I think the writing, cinematography, and acting of Andor is all better. However, I can fully accept people preferring Ahsoka because of the connection with other projects. You don't watch Star Wars for the best writing and the best acting and the best directing. You watch it because it's a cool universe and you know all the characters and you love their connected lives. But I think Andor is the best show, but it is absolutely fine to prefer something else. And people seem to be struggling with that concept. I don't know if I agree that Andor is better. I would more say I think they are both equally as good in how they've been made. And it comes down to a preference of if you are, you enjoy more of the mysticism side of Star Wars, or if you enjoy like what Andor gives. I think they're both well written around the things that they're focused on. Potentially. Interesting. <laughs> hmm. Um, but this episode was definitely um I do think there was a slight pacing issue. Uh bear in it, mind they haven't got a second season greenlit. So it did kind of everything I expected to happen. And actually how I think it always was paced to happen. I think I don't get me wrong, and I agree with no season two greenlit. It's a bold, it's Dave playing a bold hand of, I'm going to purposefully leave this paced for a season two, even though I haven't got one. Yeah. And I think that just shows how confident he was in the show. But I, I think it's guaranteed there was always going to be a season two, realistically. I don't know. Have you seen how much more money these writers are asking for? <laughs> but uh, I would say I was okay with the pacing because it's kind of what I expected it to do and how I expected it to kind of end. Um, I will say that I feel like Dave... There was so many things throughout the season that we've talked about, that people have been predicting, that people have wanted like all these little kind of ties to other stuff or Easter eggs. I feel like Dave finally paid them all off in the finale, which felt good. Yeah. There was a lot of payoff moments uh, where we the fans got what they kind of wanted to see. And I do think Dave has created a brilliant show for like the, the deep Star Wars fans that love sort of the wilder, like less canon stuff if that yeah. makes sense um it's, it's it's definitely interesting um because my issues with the pacing i think stem from we ended last week with we need to get back to the ship oh not the ship sorry the castle thing um and shin ran off to hunt down balan 
or well, work she, out yeah, what the she, fuck was well, going on. Yeah, she ran off. Um, and it feels like the start of this episode was okay. We know where they are. Let's go kill them. Um, so they send out the Tie Fighters. Then mm. it's the Tie Fighters attack the ship. The ship goes down, and then they're like, "Well, we don't have to be slowed down." And then they just get on some wolves and get there anyway. It kind of feels like they try to paint the ship getting broken as an obstacle to getting there mm-hmm. that they overcame instantly. When in reality, the ship getting damaged was just for at the end of it, then not being away for them to easily get onto the ship. Yeah, I do and, think, and that's, and that's kind of like disjointed storytelling. That I think if you'd have added a little bit more from them, oh no, the ship's broken. What do we do to arriving? You can probably play off the ship getting damaged as. So a more substantial plot point. I will agree that I think the whole ship and TIE Fighters thing wasn't the best. Like, my issues with it is one, why did the TIE Fighter not try and steer out the way? He just went, ah, and did nothing. Two, the TIE Fighters got absolutely destroyed, but the ship didn't really get that badly dis- damaged. It just went down. And I feel actually what would have been... And I think, like you say, it was to set up the whole thing at the end where they're trying to get to the ship, but they don't have the power. Realistically, it should have been a case of um, the ship's fucked. Like, it's broken. Like, they can't leave it at that. And then it would have left more tense of, like, how the hell did they get off this tower? We know the ship's just, like, broken. But they obviously were setting up for, like, that, like... Final chase, yeah. Which, I didn't hate. Obviously, we all knew the outcome was going to be that Thrawn escaped. I feel like that was kind of, as the episode was going on, it's like, okay, Thrawn's going to escape. Maybe they could have kind of worked it a little better in places. And and that's the only reason I I consider it a pacing issue. Because I don't think what they were trying to do was wrong. I just think they had to get too much of it done in too short a period of time. I don't even think they necessarily need another episode to make each episode 10 minutes longer and shuffle stuff a little bit and you can probably get what you want just fine. Mm. Yeah. I I think it worked though. It worked alright. It wasn't as rushed as we've seen like the MCU stuff. No, 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 definitely not. But it is still a um problem we're seeing over at the old Disney Plus studios with just Yeah. Every, every project seems to need another forty minutes hour of storytelling to get us where we need to be. Um and it and it's almost like well you've already paid for nine hours of shows just find the extra forty minutes. I would say, yeah, no, I agree. It could, like, it always feels like it could do with like a little extra. I think in the case of this, like Ahsoka, I think the ship situation and that being the pacing issue, I'm happy to have that because of the other things we got this episode, story wise. Like 100%. the the other payoffs with the different story elements, I'm I can overlook a bit of a weird thing with like my opinion on how the ship stuff happened. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, we we kick off the episode with 
Morgan getting fanked by the Night Mothers. Yeah. Uh, and getting her, I don't know, not powers, but yeah, getting like full, getting um, blessed into the sisterhood. Yeah, and she also got given your the, woman from Clone Wars's sword. Blade of she? the Blade of Talzin, which is the yes. same sword that Mother Talzin, who is the other Night Mother we've seen in the past, in, like you say, in Clone Wars, she used that to fight Mace Windu. Yes. Um, so then it's, it looked, it was a different hilt design than what was in that show, but obviously it's, I'm guessing they're calling it the Blade of Talzin because it's like imbued with uh, energy. They're yeah. all connected with the weird magic. Okay. Um, magic. I thought it was very cool though to see that blade and get that tie and kind of yes. get something like that in live action that ties us again back to the animated Clone Wars. I do um, have one minor question. Okay. That I, well, I might have just missed something. Go on. Do we have any idea where Ezra got that Kyber crystal from? No. So that's been a bit of a debate online as to... Because at first I thought it was going to be like Ahsoka's backup. So... And she was like, fuck it, you need a lightsaber here, have my Kyber crystal from my second... I guess it kind of depends how we look at this. Either when he switched, because he had a blue lightsaber, yeah, and then he made a new one and it was green. Now, I can't remember if we saw the fact that like he took the Kyber crystal from his old one and put it in the new one. Whether if that was shown or not, I can't remember. If it wasn't, maybe it's his original Kyber crystal that he had. Did but he the, keep that thing on him though. Uh wouldn't surprise me. Um, I think people are definitely going like, oh well, Hu Yang knew how important it was for a Jedi to connect with a Kyber crystal. He's not just gonna have a drawer full of them. Yeah. My only thought is, yes, I get that, that he wouldn't. But also, you've got to remember, Ahsoka's, over the years, probably ended up with some lightsabers and different things from people she's fought. It's, it's not wild to believe that maybe she has ended up with some kyber crystals from Fallen Jedi or yeah. from whatever. It just kind of felt a bit weird for him to go, I don't need a lightsaber, I have the Force to open episode he's building a lightsaber yeah i think that was him the the whole thing of him being like i don't need a lightsaber i think was meant to be more like making sure sabine keeps it he just yes. didn't want to take it back off her that, I, that is definitely like how i took it even at the time because um, last week we talked about i was expecting him to end up on the ship and maybe get canaan's we yeah. pretty much got that payoff because yes. he rebuilt a version of Kanan's, which I was very hyped about. As soon as he was building, and then they start talking about Kanan, or Caleb, as Hugh, Hugh Young remembers him. And then he was like, I was like, oh shit, he's looking for the like the top piece. He's going to just rebuild Kanan's lightsaber. And then, yeah, you got the payoff uh, of... I, I enjoyed the comment of, no, that'll make it too narrow. Yes, which is a very meta comment to all the yes. flack that Rebels got about your lightsabers look really narrow. Um, which, ironically, was my favourite part about Rebels. 
Yeah, they had their own like, style. Overall, I poured Clone Wars, Clone Wars character design, mm. but the lightsabers being a bit thinner felt really good. Yeah, I didn't hate it, and it's like I'm glad that Dave can kind of slip that in there, so kind of poke fun at themselves. But yeah, it was cool to see him build Kanan's. I think it's one of those things we're just gonna have to overlook where the Kyber crystal came from. Maybe in some interview down the line, Dave will be like, "Oh well, he ha- he kind of kept one," or like he'll just make some passing like explanation. He'll probably just make up on the spot. The the, um, the spot. thing is, we had a really easy opportunity to do this because we know um, Balin has one on his belt. Mm-hmm. You he could have just, just pulled it out to... of a chain, like he could have had one on a chain. Yeah. You could have literally just had the start of that scene be him entering it, and he takes, like you said, his kyber crystal that was from his original lightsaber out from under a shirt. It was on a necklace, and then we aren't even having this conversation. Yeah, people would just be like, "Oh, like people would be like, okay, he had a kyber crystal," but like then people are like, "Oh, maybe it was his old one. Maybe he found a new one." Like people would just come up with yeah. where it came from, but they'd be like, "Oh, okay, he just had one." They'd be a bit more accepting of it. I agree. I think like just a simple thing like that would have answered that, but. But yes, I agree. It's very cool to see him build a lightsaber. The, and the back it. and forth between him and Hugh Ang was brilliant. Yeah. And then them realizing, hang on a second, how old are you, Hugh Ang? Yeah. <laughs> like realizing My that. Man oh, is old. old. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that was a very cool moment. Then what we are I'm trying to remember others where we went from from there. Um, after that was Thrawn saying, it's time for us to go. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Enoch goes, right, we know where they are, and he goes, send out two TIE Fighters. Yeah, which they send the two TIE Fighters, which, like we said, does the whole sh- bit of a fight, ship ends up beached. Yes. Oh, no. Yeah, on wolves. Um, and then we get, oh, we also then get the, the night, night troopers that volunteered. Yes. Which... You like obviously, I pro- probably would have expected Thrawn to just command them to do, but I guess because, as we later find out, it was for some ritual, maybe they have to be willing for that for it to work. Is one fear or something? Maybe. Like also, maybe they just was like he wanted the ones that are willing to have that done to them, let them yeah. volunteer forward. Uh, when there was that and the night mothers, I was like. Is, are we going to get some weird shit here? Some blessing shit? Uh, we got the payoff. We got the the reanimated troopers, which was many theories when we first saw them. Then obviously people were like, oh, they're just normal troopers. But then they, like they've paid off in the final. He's, he's given us the reanimated, as well as like full-on zombie troopers as well. So we got double payoff it's so interesting to me because obviously zombie troopers up until now have not been in star wars canon that's a nope. legend thing a legends thing correct yeah yep. so it's so funny to me seeing the different parts of the star wars fandom because you've got people online going why is everyone so hyped over these weird fucking zombie troops this is so yeah. dumb it doesn't even make any sense it's like well, it's a legends thing and i think that's a very clear dividing line between the people who like the mandoverse and people who yeah. don't. The yeah. Mandoverse is very much for people who enjoy Legends books already. 
mm-hmm. or are at least aware of it and intrigued by it. Like, I've not read any of the Legends and stuff, but I'm intrigued by it, and Luke knows a lot about it, so he's yeah. obviously answered any questions I have. So I'm like, okay, cool, that makes sense. I get it. Um, well, it's there's a lot of legend stuff that there's this weird middle bit which is like kind of where i am which is i know of certain legend stories that are cool ones that people want to come to canon or have for a long time and it's like that where like there's a lot of really cool specific things that people are like okay this is really cool we need this in canon because it's like such and one of them was the whole zombie thing which is from operation blackwing i think which is like yeah. was zombie troopers People got excited about that in Mando when we saw the helmet where Zeb was and it had like claw marks and everyone's like, oh my god, is that a Project Blackwing thing? Is this hints of zombie troopers? And then obviously when we got Night Mothers in Ahsoka and everyone knows that they can from the games, reanimate. yeah, they can reanimate and essentially have zombie, like make zombies. Obviously everyone got excited for the possibility and Dave to finally kind of add that into canon is a very cool little payoff. Um, and we saw Sabine slowly getting more and more of a, a kind of connection to unlocking that connection to the force, which I thought was very cool. I like how they did it and they essentially it was anytime Ezra was in danger is when she got the connection and sort it's, of like um... that's what unlocked it for her. Yeah, see, I view it as it was a mental block because she didn't feel like she was worthy. And it she she managed to get over it to get a lightsaber when it was like, you've got to do it or you and your friend die. Mm. And then I think after that, it was a kind of, okay, I need to believe myself. And then when Ezra was like, okay, I trust you. Yeah. She was like, okay, I've got this. Um, yeah, I think, because we also got the bit of information from Hu Young to Ezra as to what happened and it was that ahsoka stopped the training because she was worried she'd turn like anakin did she obviously yeah. saw something that she feared is the same thing that happened to anakin and didn't want that obviously to happen and in to reality speak. it was probably just that mandalorian gusto yeah and <laughs> also just the this the the fact that ahsoka kind of was projecting what she was still fearing without like hadn't worked through that stuff so i think that happening to sabine caused a block and like you say, Ezra trusting her, Ahsoka now putting more trust into her, and it's like all these things were happening. It kind of like she pushed past that. But that this also a recurring theme all the way back from Rebels, where um when she had the dark saber and they were training mm. her, and um Kanan got really wound up because she was just so Mandalorian. She she was she wasn't let opening herself up to the force. Yep. She was so like stiff, and it's it's an extension of that. It's clearly something she was already struggling with. Mm-hmm. And then she sees her entire home world get decimated, which is enough to turn most people to the dark side. Yeah. And then her master loses all faith in her, and she doesn't have a friend anymore to fall back on. Because, mm-hmm. like, even if we think back to Rebels, when she was at her best with the dark saber, was when Ezra kind of went, "Let me try Kanan," and he yeah. was able to help Train her because her. he yeah. thought about who she was. So it is very much a case of Ezra manages to get the best out of her and get her to actually relax yeah. and open herself up to the force a little bit more. Um, so it's not really a surprise that him just having a bit of faith in her was enough to mm-hmm. open it because we know she's smart enough and she gets it. And like we've seen it coming with uh, repeated attempts to use the force yeah. and how much 
how much her combat has shifted from blasters to lightsaber mm -hmm. because she's just feeling more comfortable more and natural yeah. with it. And we know that lightsabers are literally an extension of a Jedi. And the Jedi who are the most yeah. powerful with the force tend to be good jewelers. It was yeah, exactly. And as I it was very cool to slowly see her like she was def starting to deflect blaster shots when the the troopers reanimated and stuff. And it's like she was slowly getting more comfortable. It was very cool that like the moment that she is able to force pull her lightsaber to her is to defeat a zombie. <laughs> I thought it was very cool. The fact that you've got a zombie trying to munch at your face in a trooper outfit and then you just lightsaber to the side of the head. Not use standard very, Star very Wars cool. stuff. <laughs> um, but very, was, very cool. I think there was a point nearer the end where she was finally starting to do saber. Well, sorry, when she stays on the platform to help Ahsoka. You see her finally actually using blaster and saber very comfortably, and it's like, okay, now she's a Mando with force the Calcestis stance, if you will. Yeah, she's got the Mando and the Jedi are for merging to be one, um, which is going to be very cool for the future. Yes, very much so. But the big reveal, the big reveal, the the two pronged big reveal. Okay, is. Of course, Thrawn and Ezra are now back in our universe, and everyone uh, else is stuck Uno in the other one. Has happened. Yeah, uh, the the TikTok that I think we've all seen and discussed the scammer get scammed one. Yeah, and it's literally um, every single person from the other galaxy because Morgan died on this planet. So yeah. it's like, yeah, no one has ended the series where they stayed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and of course. Them bloody statues, them big okay. bad mountain boys. Before we, we knew, get, we knew this was coming. Though. Before we get be to that and dive into that, because I have a new theory from last okay. since last week. But uh, just before that, we'll touch on the the Ahsoka Morgan fight. I actually think I would say one of the top three fights in Star Wars, choreography wise. It was. Really, I really enjoyed the way that that fight was put together. So I've seen a lot of dislike for the um, choreography of the fighting in this episode. And some of it I get. Mm. Not, I don't necessarily agree with, but I understand where the criticisms are coming from. But the problem is our generation grew up with the prequels, which was a lot of flash. Yeah. Um, and very over the top. Um, and then that was continued in the Clone Wars, where it's even easier to be flashing over the top. Yeah. And it's tricky, because part of me is always like, when you see the Jedis doing all their spins, you're like, well, eventually someone's just got to stand still and wait for them to turn their back again and just fucking slice them. So, like, this is more like... The, there's two ways I view Star Wars lightsaber battles. Mm -hmm. So you've got like the Jewel of the Fates and I forget what the name of the battle on Mustafar is. Yeah. Um, I mean. Which is very much flashy, looks fucking awesome. You feel like a child on a sugar rush just going, yes. Mm -hmm. But then you've also got like the Obi-Wan versus Darth Maul in Rebels and this, which mm -hmm. are very much like, it feels like chess. Yes. It feels like people who know they are very evenly weighted against each other. Mm -hmm. um, and so they're actually 
yes, they're swinging their lightsaber as an attack, but it's actually to move them into a position that benefits them more and stuff like that. I personally enjoy both styles, and I can tell when each style is necessary. I think, however, one of the big issues that people have, and I do think it's a valid concern from fans, is when Ahsoka has always been in Rebels and Clone Wars, and she is this big, spinny, high-flying character, to have her come into live action and then, for basically the entire series, be more of a chess-style combatant is quite a big jump for people. And instead of understanding that it's like a creative decision, they view it as a quality problem. Yeah, I think people are not taking into account what Ahsoka's gone through when we haven't seen her to lead her to fight more like this. I'm with you. I do enjoy the flashy stuff. Obviously, like, Anakin does the spin, everyone goes, oh my god, he did the thing. Like, there's a point, like, it's there, and it's part of Star Wars, like, the flashiness and the kind of, like, unnecessary moves, but they just look cool. Yeah. Um, but I do very much enjoy this kind of new age of the fights where they are well choreographed fights from like a production side of things. And it's like, they, for like, a lot of people might not quite appreciate them, but like when you see a well choreographed fight, it just looks cool to watch. And having um, the actress that plays Morgan, I'm pretty, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure is some relation to Bruce Lee. Oh, that's crazy. I'm pretty sure I read something. Or it's that or the chore- the fight choreographer was related to Bruce Lee. It's one or the other. But basically that knows how to do a fight sequence. They both do and like it was so well put together. And it, and like Ahsoka eventually then like Morgan realizes, oh shit, Sabine's here, gets a bit more angry, lets down her guard a bit. Like you say, like chess, Soka realizes that and ends up with the whole slashing her in the stomach. But it was a very cool like end to that little sequence. Yeah. Um, but overall, I thought it was a very enjoyable fight. Now, another thing, um, before we get into the Baylor arc, yeah. which is very interesting. So, do you remember three weeks ago? Might be four weeks ago. Okay. When we arrived on this new planet in this new galaxy. Yes. And I sat here mm-hmm. and I said, This has got a very different vibe. Like our old universe is the West with a lot of its inspirations being European. Yeah. And then this is a lot more like the East. Mm-hmm. And then that you look at the design choices made and you've got Soka swords, um, which mm-hmm. are quite unique. Some might even yeah. say Japanese influence Katana in them. Esque, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then you've got her robes, which are, again, clearly quite inspired by Japanese culture mm-hmm. and samurai. Yeah. And then you have Thrawn refer to her as a Ronin. <laughs> yes. I, I don't think you're wrong at all. It's no, Dave, it's, it's, Dave it's, being very clever. Obviously, a lot of Star Wars jedi have pulled from samurai yes they, they so, pulled from all of them ancient kind yes. of things of but 
but this kind of leads into my point about Balan and stuff. So we've spoken yeah. about how Balan and Shin are very much designed like like knights, like yes. medieval soldiers yes. with the way their armor sits. And then you've got Shin, mm-hmm. uh, sorry, not Shin, Ahsoka, who is very much, like we said, Japanese Houston kind of style um, yeah. in everything that she's designed. And then what you've essentially got is one side is attacking the other side mm-hmm. because of their differences on things. Mm-hmm. It kind of feels like good old Star Wars. It's political stories that everyone already knows being told with flashy lights. It yeah. is it is the the British, the European knights coming and trying to dominate the East and take their ancient artifacts and the stuff that's hidden deep in the mountains and Yeah, I mean that's always kind of in a way been the whole it's Sith versus there. Jedi. Yeah. yeah, it's always there. But I do like the little Ronin comment because it also then ties into like Ronin are samurai with no like without masters, and it's like yeah, yeah Soka no longer has a master. Um, he knows what he said is like him also pushing at her, like he also in that same like bit where he's contacting like talking to her before he jumps is like he, I knew your master, I knew how you would be, like basically being like I know what the fuck your master became, yeah. and you are Ronin. Because I know you no longer have a master, and it's like you will stay here. Um, I think that also to add on to that moment, Ezra getting onto the ship. As soon as there was a dead stormtrooper next to him, he's on a ship alone. Then there's a a comms link comes through, and he picks it up in Ezra fashion, answers (laughs) it, drags the body. I was like, okay, he's putting on the suit. He's, Absolutely. He's classic Ezra, gonna hide as a trooper. Um What what else could he do, sorry? It, it was the only option. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I I like that again, like I said, they've paid off a lot of things of like fans were I, excited about tie-ins to rebels I, and stuff. I don't know how we've got through the Empire and the First Order without them at any point realizing not being able to see our generic soldiers faces <laughs> is gonna cause a problem yep um but i thought yeah that whole like little speech from fraun at the end was very yes. thrawn <laughs> yeah very thrawn and also very clever wording from dave 100%. Um, and then yeah they get yeah. left left behind we have a little brief moment with um ahsoka looking off to into the distance sabine senses something now this to me this is like is it the force she senses is it something else um was it like did she briefly sense anakin because his force ghost was around um it could have been anything is it the same thing that's calling to balin that she sensed um but then we also, yeah, we got Force Ghost Anakin. Ahsoka gives him a little nod. And then we also got the owl. The owl is back again. Yes, and it is. Ahsoka follows seeing the owl with, we're right where we should be. Realizing that, okay, yeah, we were supposed to stay here. Or the Force wants me to be here. 
Ezra had to go. He had to get home. That's where he needed to be. And then it, it leads to the... Uh, well, we see Ezra return. We will see the Thrawn return. Yeah. Flying towards Daphomir. Mm-hmm. Now, there was a comment earlier on where Ezra was asked about the tower. And he was like, Thrawn seeked it out, woke up the Night Mothers, and built all this. I have a new a new theory I've seen about those caskets. It's not dead bodies. Okay. They're okay. like cryo tubes. Oh. And he came along and was like, huh, what's in these? Opened it up, Night Mother. And they're going back to Daphomir. Could that just not- be a bunch of tubes of Night Brothers and Night Sisters? To be his army. Yes, because someone worked out from the, the scene where you see the cargo full of them, Someone roughly worked out the maths that there'd be about um, 60,000 caskets. It's quite a lot of people. That's that's a lot of night brothers and sisters. It was some big number. Um, so would not, like them going to Daphomir, he's 100% there re- rebuilding Daphomir. Um, which means in a season two, we might see like some old night mother temple like we saw in Clone Wars. The, the one we saw in Clone Wars, they could yep. go back there because there'll be relics and different things. Um, I thought it was very cool that we might actually get some live-action Daphomir in the future. I really hope we do. Daphomir's awesome. And then we get the Balin ending. Yes, sir. I was getting to this point in this where I was like, are we really just not going to see anything again from I, I At this point, I was like, okay, they are doing what I thought they were going to do, which is they're going to tease us with something about Balin and leave it at that. Which is a shame, very much so, because obviously Ray Stevenson is no longer with us, and it's going to just, it's left it in such a very open-ended what the fuck is next. And it's a shame that he's not going to get to complete that story. Yeah. Um, yeah. although his performance um, has been amazing. His, his performance is stunning, um, and I mean, folks just has to turn to getting the correct person to overtake the role and see if they can do it justice. Yeah. Um, because you can't just not do it. No. It would be wrong to try and CGI it. Yeah. Find a good actor who can do the role as well as he can. And I think they will, and he'll I'm make sure. sure. So. But yeah, we get Balin. Standing on, or almost looks like the top of a mountain at first. Yeah. Uh, and there's a glinting light in the distance, looking at a mountain range, and then it pans, and in like almost Lord of the Rings fashion statue, he stood on the arm of the father. And we've talked many times through this season of, is it something linked with the Mortis gods, the father, the son, and the daughter? Obviously, we know Ahsoka has the daughter's force energy in her. Yeah. Anakin was believed to have taken over from the father. But then, yeah, it's a statue of the father, quite clearly the father, got the son to its left, and then a broken statue with a chasm between it that looks like where the daughter would be. Um, Which has got everyone very excited. And yes. I'd, do you so- kn- know what the theory is? Okay, horizontal, you forget that I'm a master when it comes to Google. 
do yeah. you think I would have turned up today without having a little I... bit? So, so, so l- let me talk about it, and then you can fill okay. in anything I miss. So okay. basically, there's this psycho bitch called Abeloth, um, who yes. was slave henchman-y thing for the Mortis gods. She then wanted to become a god like them and kind of have a fuck ton of power. So she bathed in the dark waters and she drank from the tree of life, light or whatever. Um, and instead of becoming a celestial like the Mortis gods, she became a demonic thing that was crazy powerful and dangerous. And then only through the balance of the force mm. could she be kept in her prisony thing. Um, which is why the Mortis gods are so important and why balance to the force is so important because she is essentially the end of worlds if shit goes wrong. Um, and which is why it's a little bit concerning that the daughter statue was destroyed because does that mean that there's currently balance in the force the wrong way and the prison that's holding Abeloth is getting a bit shaky, a little bit boy, and she's going to break out and start wreaking in havoc. Am I Pretty right much. around the right spot? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. So, obviously, like, the last couple of weeks, we were leaning more like, is it Bendu? Is it something from, like, the Wellspring? Theories have been popping up about Abolith, and then I looked into it more. And then, obviously, before, that was in between, and then we got the finale and everything. So, yeah, you're right. Abolith was a normal human being that, um, was kind of brought to the mortis gods took in she obviously was a like she was she had a very good understanding of how the sun worked so the sun felt very close to her and would kind of behave and she slowly like took on this mantle of the mother she kind of became the mother of the four of them because she could control the sun she kind of helped with the balance kept him like enough level-headed Obviously, though, like you say, she got old. She wanted to know, she didn't want to die. So she thought, oh, I can drink from the eternal waters or whatever they are, thinking she could become one of them. And then, yeah, she is corrupted. She essentially becomes this great Sith power. Like she has incredible Sith energy. The force corrupts. It's like she became corrupted. And through that, the Mortis gods trapped her they she was going to wreak havoc the mortis guards were able to control her that but the three needed the three of them and they were able to trap her and imprison her there's stories and legends of like when the mortis gods were gone obviously then that force wavered and she came back uh Abolith is a crazy powerful like sith being would call to people call to force users would bring them in um when she was imprisoned but she had some like was able like i think the the control of her was weakening she was able to call to people bring them make them avatars of her she would corrupt them and they would become avatars of abolith and often they would roam around the galaxies and would cause havoc oh yeah so it all is like when you think back to Dave Filoni brought the Mortis gods in in Clone Wars. Like it makes total sense that this is Abolith. Um, 
it all ties together. And like you say, the statue of the daughter being broken, I actually don't think... So there's different theories as to like what's it in balance here. Because obviously the daughter died, which would explain why the, the, the daughter side is broken. You could say that that part of the Mortis Gods is gone. But it was transferred into Ahsoka and Ahsoka is still with us. Then you have Anakin was... The, the theory and understanding was Anakin became the father. He became the balance. Now, technically Anakin is gone. He's Force Ghost now. So it's like, does he still have that power? Influence. Like, yeah, is he still able to influence and hold the position of the father? Then people are like, okay, maybe Balin's the son. I lean to Balin could be this, like the son because if Abelith is calling to him, the, the connection that the son and the mother had would make sense why Balin's getting called. He also, like, knew Anakin, is a bit more Sith-leaning um, and that side of the Force. Also, he made comments of to Shin that I, I've trained you for something more. When you look at artwork of Abelith, often depicted as a woman with the, the huge toothy grin and white hair. Yeah. Almost very similar looking to how Shin would look. Uh, theory, maybe Shin has been trained and he's going to offer up for it to be an avatar of Abelith. Maybe that's how they bring Abelith in. Because it's kind of hard. If Dave unlocks this thing of like, here's this crazy powerful Sith being, um, it's a, it's a difficult one to balance out. <laughs> Um, story wise, so he needs to be careful with it, I think. Yeah. But there's um I, I guess Balaam being the version of the sun currently makes sense as to why him and Ahsoka couldn't best each other. Yeah. Despite everything we know about Ahsoka suggesting that she should be able to deal with him even if he was a general in the Clone Wars, it would explain why she couldn't beat him and why he was so confident that she couldn't beat him. Mm. Yeah. It's... Um it's there's a it's lot of one. it all comes back to the mortis gods i think some people were like oh they're actually on mortis like they're gonna go find the mortis gods no because i think the mortis gods existed on a place that was not in any galaxy it was somewhere in between like the four like in the realm of the force i think if anything it's maybe more likely that yes this could be a place where they've imprisoned Abelith. Maybe there's some artifact. Maybe if Dave doesn't want to actually add in Abelith, maybe there's some artifact of her that is going to corrupt Shin or corrupt Balin. So there is another theory I saw that I don't hold a lot of weight to. Okay. Um, but it'd be rude of us not to discuss it. Go on. That if we assume Anakin is the father. Yeah. And Ahsoka is the daughter. Yeah. Then maybe another Anakin apprentice, maybe a male, is the son. Maybe. Maybe a, a star killer. This I, is I've another theory. Of, yeah, I've seen a lot of people gagging for this to be a way to bring in a star killer. The yes. only problem with bringing star killer in is the only way you can work is if you nerf him into the motherfucking ground and then people are just going to be angry they've not done it right. You say this. But realistically, if they're gonna add in Abelith, adding we in need some, Starkiller. yeah, maybe <laughs> we need Starkiller. 
um, and his power would make sense. I have also seen that theory, and I do know that Dave does like Dave wants to try and bring Starkiller in. He likes Starkiller, and he it's wants one he wants Sam Witwer to be Starkiller. But it's one finding a way to bring him in. Two, then it being explaining like where the fuck was Starkiller all this? Like where like how? How have we not known about this? Also, is there not a massive storytelling problem with Starkiller in the sense of he had multiple different endings depending on user decisions? Well, yeah, basically... It it ruins the legacy of Starkiller in the game slightly. Yes. You go... It's it's the big reason, as stupid as it sounds, but it, 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 it lines. It's the big reason, despite fans calling for it, that we never got a GTA 5 movie. Because it's like, right, well... When we decide what ending to do, if that doesn't align with mm. how you played the game, it's not the you're going to feel yeah. like you got stiffed out. I think, yeah, I think unfortunately if they do bring Starkiller in, the games are probably going to get sacrificed as not fully canon and it'll have to be some new, like Dave will do his representation of where Starkiller's story has been. Leaning on it, but it won't be accurate to the games because, like you say, different endings also like it's been a while and if dave wants to work this in properly it's gonna be his it's got to be worked in to make sense i wouldn't be against the the sun being star killer i'm very intrigued like how dave pulls off adding avalith in because Obviously, this show is him leaning very much into the mysticism of the Force and a lot more of that, which I have loved, and I know a lot of Star Wars fans have loved. But for the general, like, global audience of Star Wars, this is, like, more on the, like, unknown, like, people, like, the general Star Wars fans might be a bit like what the fuck is all this weird shit that's going on and to then just chuck out oh there's this crazy powerful like being um yeah would be interesting especially as well in the legend stories of abolith luke actually is the one of the ones that helps defeat abolith and i mean luke is about like we know luke's about he's busy he's been training grogu so like he's so then but then you're getting into this realm of are you really going to bring... Oh my god, that's how they're going to fix the sequels. So Luke's this... going to go help stop Abilith, and that's gonna, that's what's going to change Luke from being the person who believes in the light in everyone, to this person who's seen pure darkness that is unsavable, and then he sees it in Ben, and then that's why he's like, nah, this guy got to die, and that's what creates Kylo Ren. This is a ballsy way to go, Dave. Let's see if it pays off. There is a lot of theories like that, though, where like Dave's like, people are like, is, da- is this Dave trying to re- kind of rewrite the sequels a little bit and fix them even more? Trying like, to fix he- the characterizations that made no sense. Is he going to like use things that he's been building up? Because he's quite like, you can't tell me that when he added the Mortis Gods in, he didn't know of Abolith and all that stuff. Like, he's read all that material like he knows like there's definitely something where he's like oh maybe i can actually pay off on these mortis gods now um it's it's gonna be interesting because like we said at the beginning no season two confirmed i am pretty certain with the reception ahsoka has actually got it's been a very positive reception everyone has seemed to love it 
from what I've seen, it'll get a season two. I know that Dave will be fighting for a season two. I know that um, the actress that plays Ahsoka, I'm forgetting her name right now. Rosario Dawson. Yeah. She really wants to keep playing as Ahsoka. But there's a lot of... Um, the people on that created it want to make more. Bearing in mind they've greenlit a Mandoverse film. Yes. If Dave goes, there needs to be another series before the film. They're kind of backed into a corner where they either have to cancel the film and go, no, you're not getting another series, or they kind of have to agree to both. There's I, not really another way to do it. I think when Dave Pitt, like wanted to do the Ahsoka show, I'm pretty sure he was like, yeah, this this whole Mando thing, like probably going to need two seasons of Ahsoka. Then we'll get to like the point where we can do the film. And they've gone, okay, hit, do season one. We'll see how it does. And it's kind of like, that's what they said to him. But he's probably already put it out there that there was going to be, like, they need a second one. I see season two. If they, so if they were to do season two, I see it leaning, like, it's going to become, season two is going to be Ahsoka chasing Balin and all that shit that's going on there. I don't actually think we get to see much of what happened. Well, maybe we'll see a bit of, like, Ezra and Hera and explaining stuff. Like, there'll be some of that going in, like, them trying to figure out where the fuck Thrawn went, like, what, well, they'll know they went to Dathomir because Ezra was on the ship, but, like, trying to figure that out. It's going to heavily lean, I think, into what Ahsoka has to deal with. I think a lot more of our universe side of stuff is more likely to be dealt with in a potential Mandalorian season four. Yes, I agree. And then um, Ahsoka will be dealing with this world that we're stuck on, Balan, and then Ahsoka season two ends with them coming back to the start of the Mandoverse film. Yeah, or I I hate to say this as a theory, but if Ahsoka is the daughter and that's her power, and this is Abolith in a prison, there's a world where Ahsoka doesn't ever come back from that planet because she, she has, has to, to stay there. She has to it. stay there to keep Abolith at bay. Well, and then that's Dave's way of explaining where Ahsoka never showed up in. Put, put it stuff. this way, there are some very real things we need to accept are going to have to happen soon. Mm-hmm. There's a we lot of know shit that needs to that, tie up and disappear. Yeah, we know that the Rebels crew are clearly known to Leia. Yeah. And Leia being a big part of the sequels mm-hmm. and us not seeing any of the Rebels crew mm-hmm. is not a good sign for their chances of getting out of this battle with Thrawn in one piece. Nope. Our best bet is they beat Thrawn and they go, right, we're retiring and they all go to join Ahsoka on this planet to live there. To explore that galaxy. Yes. That is the only way they get to live. Yeah. And also us not sitting going, why are they not helping stop the First Order? I I agree. Um, I do think there's like this is what I think the film's gonna be. I everyone's already making the posters and making the prediction that the Mandoverse film is gonna be called Heir of the Heir to the Empire. Gonna be about Thrawn revealing himself for power and taking Thrawn down, and then that leading to the start of the First Order. That all needs to happen. 
um like you said ghost crew something has to happen to them whether it's them disappearing off to a galaxy far far away or them dying um mandalorian stuff like you could say that the mandalorians are on mandalore the whole time just keeping to themselves but that's not so stuff like mando and grogu like you can hide them on mandalore and that's why they're not in the sequels um maybe sabine also ends up there training with grogu who knows um i don't think sabine now as a by this point a trained jedi who was also a rebel lets the first order get away with shit and doesn't get involved I would imagine so. I think she <laughs> sticks with Ahsoka. Just uh, to be completely clear, Sabine is the epitome of revolution and punk. She mm. is an artist who wants to blow anything up that is fascist. She is punk rock. Yeah. There is also a world where like, we know that Luke started a school mm-hmm. and was training a f- more than just Ben. Yeah, it wasn't just Ben. That could be where Ezra ended up, where jason ends up and then obviously all that shit went wrong eventually there's there's a lot but like you said a lot of kind of loose ends to fill up before the sequels begin yes i think dave will manage it i I trust in dave to like pay off on these things i'm going to be very shocked if this is an abolith that he's set up um a brilliant bait and switch it would but I'd be very disappointed. And I just hope that, like you say, we said with um, Balin's recast, hopefully whoever picks up that mantle uh, continues that story well and does Ray proud with uh, the portrayal. Hopefully. But yeah, overall, what what you're rating the series out of 10? I actually could put this up at like a 9. Like, I up there, like, it's on par with Andor. And, like, to me, I would put it slightly above Andor over personal preference of I enjoy all the Ahsoka and mystical shit. But, like, by, to, for me, best Star Wars show. Only just overtaking Andor. But, like, there's only, like, the small pacing issues and little, like, weird little things. But overall, like, I didn't have many qualms with the series. I think I'm almost the inverse of you there. I prefer Andor because, you know, just some of the <laughs> okay. scenes are so... Yeah, they're they're so powerful and they're getting uh-huh. more powerful by the day. Rishi, you prick. Um, so, I, 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 Andor is still clear for me. I'd probably have a soaker at like 7.5 to an 8 overall. I think there was some... Definitely some trimming and tidying up to get it up a little bit higher. But overall, I very much enjoyed it. Hmm. Now, my challenge. Last week, we spoke about how Gen V was coming. We did. And I said I was very excited to watch it. But we won't be discussing it. But we probably won't get to discuss it because Horry's not even watched The Boys. And I. And you went. Uh, maybe. On. I was like, uh. you, you You took that as a challenge on your ability to binge content. And you went, I will watch all of the boys and Gen V so that we can discuss it next week. And I went, you've backed yourself into a corner here and I'm going to let you. Mm-hmm. So before we talk about this, would you like to admit defeat? I will admit defeat due to my own poor planning. <laughs> uh, 
and th that's the sad thing. It's like I know had I been more organized, literally by one day. Like if I if I'd prioritized watching it more, like one day sooner, I would have got through it all. I do have to admit something. Go on. I cheated a little. Okay, for your shot, like one two five. One point five. Uh, there we go. ADHD brain go burr. Do you know what though? <laughs> Didn't really make any, like, I I did it for a couple of episodes. I was like, am I actually, like, like, I was paying attention. It was all going in. I was like, hang on. Maybe I should watch it on one so I don't miss. And then I put it on one. I was like, this feels, I can't, I can't do this. I need it on 1.5. My brain actually enjoyed it more on 1.5. Um, uh, when I'm watching something for the first time, I have to watch it at the speed it was made for. If I ever need to rewatch something quickly, because I've, like, forgotten something, 1.5 or like if i've like was falling asleep during an episode mm. and i'm like i've definitely missed something for like the entire show that i need to watch here but i've seen a lot of this episode get to the point i last clearly remember whack it at 1.5 i'm caught up good to go it, it it's a real real life hack. i will say for the most part it didn't even like feel noticeable to me that's obviously just how my brain is there was like there's a couple of bits like there was a couple of fight scenes in like season one where i'm like Oh, this, that felt like really weirdly quick. Uh, I should slow that back down and rewatch that fight. But like for the most part, it was unnoticeable. Uh, and it has meant that I got all the way through to... So I finished season three, episode three. So on to the, new, the newer season of stuff. Um, so, so you've seen that scene at the beginning of, episode, of season three? Yes. <laughs> And obviously remembered you talking about. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, okay. At, I... at what point during that scene did you realize, oh shit, this is that? <laughs> um, when. I think it was the moment the guy. The, obviously, the two of them are in the room. Yeah. Uh, and they just. And then he pulls his pants down. And I thought he was standing by the table to go in the ass. And I was like, oh, he's going to go small. And then, and then it clicked. I was like, oh, wait, no, this is that scene Connor was on about. <laughs> and then when it's like the next angle is like him stood in front. Of, and I'm like, okay, I know where this is going. <laughs> I didn't remember that. I can't remember if you said that it's because he sneezed. Uh, but then it's like, like... yeah. <laughs> the sneeze, as soon as he started, I was like, oh, shit, he's about to. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah. It's, and the freak um... out. I mean, the sh the show's brilliant. So yes, I, I I'm going to say this now. I will admit that you were right. I do enjoy the show. Yeah, I never, I, but I will also say I never doubted that I wouldn't. No, no. I just you, you just I was just you need, making you, need you wait. Lines to put yourself on. Yeah, I was just making pressure. you. I was just making you wait for the sake of making. You wait. Um. Yeah, it's it's a change of pace from a lot of the other stuff we deal with. Yes. And it's one of these things, and I've seen this coming, like this discussion coming back up with Gen V, because it is very similar in style, obviously. Mm -hmm. Where this show takes the piss out of the left and right wing constantly. Yeah. yeah. Now, I, as someone with intelligence, know when they're taking the piss out of me. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, that's really funny. Cool. I move on. The right wing don't understand when they're the butt of the joke so genuinely this show's kind of unfortunately got a very large subsection of fans who are right wing as it gets who think this show is designed for them 
And they don't get that they're the butt of the joke. Yeah. There's so many, like, just jokes about everything in our culture nowadays. 100%. It's it's what art should be. And I don't mean this in the way of, like, oh, it's high art, darling. We've got to. But it is still art. (laughs) No, I know what you mean, yeah. Everything that's written or created is art. Whether it's good art or bad art is completely separate, but it is art. And a lot of really good art, or a lot of art I personally enjoy, mm. is a reflection of society. And that's all this is. In reality, if people had superpowers, yeah, this isn't a million miles off the world you'd get. No, and it's also not a million miles off, like, actually what would be going on in the fact that it was a bunch of babies sold as test subjects. Oh, see, I wasn't sure if you'd got to that bit yet. So, yeah. So, season one and two has already gone through all that. Okay. So, yeah. So, I will say, there's a, there's actually quite surprisingly quite a few twists that caught me. Yeah, yeah no, no. It's, that, like, um, it, keeps I'm you, like, it keeps on your toes. Yeah, I'm like, oh, I understand now what's going on. Like, the first twist of Homelander taking the plane out. And you're like... Yeah oh shit, he isn't this, like, poster boy. Like, obviously I, I knew mean, yeah, from discussion and, um, like, I know but he's a dick. the way it does it is fucking brutal, isn't it? Yeah, and then, but then the twist of, like, oh, he wasn't, I like, at first I'm like, oh, he was, like, kind of backhand told by his boss to go do that. And then it's like, oh no, he did that off his own regard. I'm like, okay, I see now the sort of person he is and then it's like it keeps like twisting there's more about him and i'm like oh shit or like something else comes up someone who i think is in charge oh no you're not the person in charge running things then it's like there's so many points like that where i'm like i think i know who's running the shit and then oh no someone else comes along and it's like no they're they're not they're actually the mole and so yeah season enjoy the homelander versus baby rivalry the Homelander versus Baby. In season one, your woman who he's like in love with and he gets jealous of the baby yes. because yeah, she's yeah, yeah, getting yeah. all the milk. Yes. <laughs> do you know what do you know what's really funny? I've got I've got a nice little fun fact for you. Oh, here we go. Um I'm not sure if you will have seen the actual scene yet, but um you might have seen bits that allude to it. Anthony Starr didn't want to put on loads of muscle for the role of Homelander. Okay. So they made a muscle suit that's padded. Yeah. But instead of just never having him out of the suit instead, they made it canon that Homelander is actually scrawny as fuck and can't build muscle. So Homelander also actually wears a padded suit. Okay, so I don't know if they've direct I've seen the scene of him on the couch naked after he's okay, just cool, told so- the world I do what the fuck I I'm sick of being yeah, told what okay, to cool. do. And so I yeah, did think so he looks a little scrawny there, but I didn't like so pay enough like, attention. That's like a canon thing. Okay. Homelander is actually a scrawny little bitch because he can't build muscle, um, but because he's so worried about his public perception, yeah, he has the muscle suit which he wears gotcha. all the time so that no one ever sees him scrawny. Gotcha. Um, um. Yeah. No. So I've yeah I've enjoyed the development of like Butcher and his crew, and how they've gone through different things. I. So yeah, the the baby stuff happened in season two. Yeah, I'm pretty sure where it kind of well at the end of season one it like alluded to 
well, you had the the laser baby. Yeah. So you knew they were being injected. Then it comes out in season two. They're like, all of them are fake. Yeah. And they've all, which I was like, oh shit, I didn't expect that. Yeah. Like I, I thought, okay, some of the ones in from like the the public facing ones have probably been that they've been juicing to be more powerful or whatever. Yeah, or like they're like Homelander, they're from a lab, like they were raised. Like I, yeah. I could, I pictured that, but then when it came out, like all soups are just test subjects essentially. Yeah, the parents were fucking paid to have their baby yeah. injected. I was yeah. like, oh shit, that kind of changes a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, it gets rid of the whole I'm special vibe, doesn't it? Yeah, real quick. Mm-hmm. And like we said, like if this was real world, probably the most realistic thing that would happen is like, oh wait, yeah. all the superheroes are actually just government might fund it. So the, the funny thing is, like, obviously the way Vault operates is like it's media and sports industries kind of mixed yes so as a result you have what we see with sports people all the time they're idolized by people for what they can do Mm -hmm. and their entire job is doing what they can do but then hiding the shitty parts of their personality yeah and it's the exact same thing the only difference is when a soup wants to do cocaine and have sex with random people Mm -hmm. there's a chance they destroy their lower half of their body and yes eviscerate them or crush someone's head yes um and that's the big difference um and it's it's just in a world where we have so much superhero content and i always want more superhero content despite knowing that that's going to reduce the quality Mm -hmm. this was a nice change of pace at the time and i don't feel like a change of pace anymore yeah at the time it it was so needed i have to say also like it's nice to see the side like obviously the whole thing is a lot more on the evil side of things and like superheroes not being these perfect things but it's like it was it's cool to see the side also like touched on of like victims of superheroes and like actually going into like yeah that fight just killed like 30 like 300 people like not ignoring like mcu does which is like where you see a building get destroyed you're like i'm pretty sure a lot of people would have just died in that but they never talk about it whereas in this it's like the like the opening episode is huey's girlfriend getting like eviscerated and i was like oh shit she just got like it pulls no punches for that and i was like (laughs) i knew like obviously i know what to expect from the show but i'd never seen like that spoiled or anything and it's like oh oh Oh, we're just starting <laughs> with this. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um the so it's 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 so good. It's but you're right, it's so funny to see them handle things like victims. Cause and this is this is quite different, but after 9-11, Marvel yeah. did a comic with a lot of New York based characters mm-hmm. all being upset at what had happened. Yeah. But included in that comic was Magneto. And Doctor Doom saying how terrible and unthinkable it was. Right. And that comic gets mocked a lot because it's like, guys, 9-11's a Tuesday for you when you're like mm-hmm. in full rampage mode. That doesn't make any sense. Yep. Um, but it was kind of it was just supposed to be like a national morning thing. Yeah. Um, and it is interesting to just see no one wants to admit that superheroes get people killed. It's not something that really gets discussed. You just have a Vought lawyer turn up, give you a mm-hmm. check for yeah. however much. How much was it? Like 10 grand? Not even. 
Yeah, I think I've well, I think Huey got offered like fourteen thousand. Some of them got offered like there's there's that yeah. episode where they go to the kind of AA meeting of survivors of like Yes. And there's the I'm like, hang on a second, that's the marketing guy. <laughs> yeah. And then he's like, Yeah, my my it was like shoving my dick in liquid nitrogen and it just snapped off. And I'm like, yeah. oh shit, that's like a like a thing that would that you don't even consider like you think obviously oh that building got destroyed probably a lot of people died but there's also situations where like minimal like instances and very realistically so would get NDA'd paid off shoved under a rug 100% because these these think about like Homelander like I said in the terms of like a superstar who mm-hmm. earns vault money yeah they're gonna make sure Homelander is got. He's got prime real estate in New York. He's got everything he's paid for. All he really cares about is being loved. So they probably milk him for every penny he's worth, and he doesn't want that much. Yeah. So, I mean, think how much films with Homelander makes, and the toys of Homelander, and the Halloween. Oh yeah, I, and... I love the kind of slide dig at the MCU and all of that stuff. Oh uh, yeah, hundred percent. And they do, they mock all of it. Um, and it's it's even. It's it's really really good so far. Gen V is just as good, if not better. Okay. Um, I like the way they're telling their story a lot more, mm-hmm. and they've been a bit more unique with their powers. Yeah. Which is fun, um, so that's interesting. I'm glad you're enjoying it. Um, I don't think you've met. So, so I'm up to not... the bit. So I've watched up to episode three. Season three started with Huey working the job with the congresswoman. Yeah, and you think, oh shit, someone that's like, we'd had a few situations where people's at the end of the season two heads were exploding. Yeah. So my theory as season two was closing out was well there's that girl that escaped the facility who can like crush things is it just her um because i don't think i think she's still just unknown to me at the moment what the fuck happened to her um didn't piece it together i was like okay then i was like i know there's the tiny guy because we'd seen him in like a party clip and i was like is it the tiny guy just jumping into people's heads and like popping them somehow i don't know i was like something's going on here that's a lot more calculated and then obviously i've had the reveal now in season three that she is a soup and then the reveal that oh shit she is working for vaughn and again twisted like i thought i know who was against them and who was like in charge and then it's like oh no this is all fucking planted like Vaughn's just in control of everything. Yeah. Um, Vaughn, the, Vaughn we had the whole everything. Nazi stuff as well. Stormfront which, in season two was phenomenal. yeah. That that when she they realized she's a Nazi, I'm like, oh shit, this is gonna get interesting. And one then it's like my, really plays out how much of a Nazi she is. Yeah. One of my favorite scenes is when they go to get his son, mm. and she's like, it's called white genocide. And even Homelander kind of pulls a face like, the fuck do you mean white genocide? We're fine. Yeah. <laughs> even he's like, are you? He's sounding a bit extreme here. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I know I kill people when they disagree with me, but... And I let planes crash. <laughs> um, 
yeah she was like i i enjoyed her character how she was like when she first got introduced i'm like oh for fuck's sake we've got some like gen z fucking live streaming everything think she's like the shit then it turns out she's a nazi and she was oh then it turns out she was planted by the guy in charge then it's like oh shit she's old as fucking she's actually a nazi then it's like oh wait no she was married to a nazi (laughs) she is old married to the guy who created superheroes yeah um and and i think that's the big thing that's not really been discussed too much because vort have covered it is the fact that superpowers come from nazi scientists yeah like like a lot of technological discoveries after world war ii nazi scientists are involved in a lot of it and that's just things people don't want to discuss again very topical yeah so Um, season three like yeah that congresswoman's got revealed she's the head popper um they haven't done anything about it yet and what else has happened uh oh billy was a dick to his to the kid yeah they found out um the colonel woman yeah they found out a bit about her story of what she was doing in nicaragua yeah um oh you're you're not deep into the black noir story yet are you that's a little bit later in the series so all i've seen is i've seen him without his mask on in that flashback in the first flashback yes and he gets his face melted we're gonna have a big discussion next week about black noir okay because that that got obviously revealed i'm like oh shit this is gonna explain why the fuck he doesn't talk and he's just mysterious as fuck because black noir in the comics is completely different oh okay like completely different okay um so everyone was a bit curious they're like this is obviously not what he is in this show they've Mm -hmm. clearly changed that so what is he yeah um and me and you are going to have a big discussion about that next okay. week because it might be one of the best, albeit quickest, arcs in television. Okay. I um, I adore it with all my heart. So obviously they're going after they going after um oh his name's gone out of my head now the um, old superhero guy. Well, they're trying to find out how he died. Not under. Oh, they're the trying new... to find out how Soldier Boy died. Soldier Boy, because they it, want the brain. weapon that killed him. Yeah, and. I've yep. seen the scene where Billy's gone and confronted Gunpowder and he's taken a good old injection of the green shit, not this, not um, V, but the, yep. whatever they called it, V94 or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, so I've seen him get to use powers once and then they're doing the story and he goes and throws up and then this season three ends with him throwing up on Huey at the window. Yeah. Uh, and that's kind of where that's I'm up to. I'm okay, expecting so gone. Yeah, Billy let's, let's, to get. Have... I'm expecting Billy to get because I can't really remember. I have to say, when you were watching season three, it was all going in one ear and out the other because it, it, it moves so fast. I knew, like, yeah, I had no context. I knew I was gonna watch the boys eventually, so I was purposely trying not to like take it all in because yeah. I didn't want to like, and I just can't remember anything. So maybe you discuss these things, but I don't remember. I feel like Billy's going to get absolutely hooked on this new shit or having powers and become what he hated. Um, I don't know how the son's going to grow up. I'm I'm unsure where that kid's going, if he's going to go in the right direction or the wrong direction. Uh, intrigued by the fact that Homelander's realizing he can do whatever the fuck he wants 
and them trying to hold shit over him doesn't act, he's revealed like, that shit ain't gonna work because what you do you release it to the world and i just go on a rampage and kill everything like how are you gonna stop me like do you really want to unleash that onto the world yeah fuck you i'm in charge um i don't see i see huey dying i don't think he's gonna make it <laughs> that or he's gonna start juicing on the green shit um i homeland has got to get taken down starlight i also think might die she's in way above her head um keeps thinking she's in control and then realizes she's so far from control um don't fully trust the colonel i think she's still hiding shit um i'm trying to think what frenchie and the the girl yeah i think frenchie's gonna die saving her in some okay. situation i don't know she's gonna get some well she hasn't i don't know she'll go on a rampage or something maybe um i i see vog um vogue vogner i can't remember the company name now Vort. Vort. <laughs> um i see Vort like crashing and burning like all this shit's gonna come out and they're just gonna it's gonna crash and burn but then shit's gonna get sold to the military on the sly under a I'm different name i'm pretty sure after next episode Some you're of gonna shit's have gonna a get... much better idea of what's going on okay I'm, I'm probably about to get hit with like a twist um not necessarily a twist i think it just tidies up like them then things, things that could go one of two or three ways yeah okay I, I'm pretty sure the next episode is going to tidy up a bit of that for you. Um, oh, I had the deep deep came back. I had the the squid the scene. Is fucking hilarious. I had man. the well. I saw the scene of him staring at the tank, wishing like clearly wishing it was the squid. Um, and then he has to eat. I'd sit. So I've seen the scene of him eating the squid because I've seen a VFX breakdown of it. <laughs> um. Because the guy that worked on that scene, he was on like Corridor Digital. He did like a breakdown, explain like they looked at. Is it from Godfather when he eats the squid? It's one of the old like mafia films where they eat. They ate an actual live squid. Um, they looked at a lot of that to recreate sort of it. So I knew about him having to eat the squid. Um. Yeah, interest. The show a bit doesn't of, pull its punches. No, and there's been a lot of interesting character developments, like yes, and how characters have changed. I would ways. say it's what. Bearing in mind how, like in reality, it's like you're what twenty one hours in. Yeah. Bearing in mind how much characters have changed in that time, and it doesn't and feel like rushed at any months. point. Yeah, um, it is. It's really good. I'm. I'm excited for you to finish, and I think. The back half of this series isn't as batshit crazy, which is what I enjoy the most about the boys at times, just the batshit insanity of yeah. it. But the storytelling in the back half of the series is really solid. Um well, yeah. So yeah, I think over the next couple of episodes you're gonna really, really start to go, right, I I see how this is shaping Developing, up. yeah. Yeah. Um and you still got Hero Gasm to come. Yeah. Obviously I remember you talking a lot about that. 
Yeah, so, that was that was know, the episode. I've the already double checked what that's episode six. Yeah. So I'm I'm mentally preparing for that. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. I'm more. I'm genuinely as much as I like. I'm excited for you to watch the boys. So that means when the boys comes around again, we can yeah watch it alongside each other. I'm more excited for you to catch up so that we can get talking about Gen V because Gen V has the ability to surpass the boys well, for me. Yeah, I think from now what I've learned in the boys and the, like people, it's all just fabricated. All the soups yeah. are fabricated and like they're doing game shows that aren't are all scripted, which is also a dig at like everyone saying like X Factor and those sorts of shows are yeah. scripted. Um I'm expecting Gen V to kind of dive more into that. So I'm looking but, forward to yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be good. It'll be good. The Loki season two. Yes, season Primer two is coming out in like five hours as we're recording this. Well, yeah, and as you're watching this episode, it's already out. Yeah, go watch it. Um t- let us know if we got it right. <laughs> yeah. Um So I sent you a tweet in the week that I'll be honest, it concerned me. Yes, um, you did. They said that Loki season two is the first MU- MCU series to have no reshoots. The story that is on the screen is the story we set out to make, is the quote that goes along with that. Now, call me crazy, Horizontal. I don't trust it. Yeah, I don't mean you crazy. Um, I can't think of anything that's never had to do any reshoots. Yeah. It's... So, you sent me that. We've also the a little added on thing of like there was a strike, so we couldn't reshoot. Yeah, and this is the thing they're 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 playing it as if it was their decision. Yeah, if you they... look back to like when Loki, I, I guess it comes back to like when did Loki finish, like filming? How long was that before strikes began? Was there a I'll gap there? Full two. So yeah, so they would have only then started production. They wouldn't have got through enough of produ- like pro- post production to get to a point where like oh maybe we need to reshoot that. Yeah, reshoots are normally like three to four months after. Yeah, once they've started, like oh shit, this we've edited this and we need that. Like, yeah. I think you're right. There's a l- definitely they probably would have reshot stuff, but there were strikes and they were like we're not going to delay. I think it can't be anything that's like really bad. I don't think it's going to be like scenes are going to be like, oh shit, that that total thing needed a reshoot. Because I think if it was something like severe, they would have delayed. I think maybe there's going to be the odd like, maybe that should have been shot a bit differently, or like it came up, comes something comes across weird, or we're going to get some like fight scene that's very chopped up because yeah. they couldn't get extra shots, so they had to just work with what they had. I think some of that, like, is what we'll see. Um, where they would have maybe filmed an extra shot or two. Like, it's a bit chopped up and weird. It's, it's not the done thing for there to be no reshoots. Because, I mean, creatives are... How do I put this nicely? Arseholes who want everything to be done a certain way. 
um so they're never ever happy and, and that's <sighs> why they <laughs> that's why they can make so much good stuff because they're not happy oh 100% we are never happy it's like and we creatives will keep working on stuff to like non-stop like there's no it's yeah, never 100%. finished look at and... george rr martin for fuck's sake how long has it been since he released oh, the book because it's not don't... right like... i yeah a lot of the time directors have a vision they film that vision and as only as things are being edited they're like oh if we had like is and then it's like the editors will be playing and they're like hang on if edit it this way a little bit okay maybe we could actually they see something new and then they're like okay we'll just do a bit of a reshoot there we can get this like that is a better vision do you know what even something as simple as after what say after like if we were the guys making ahsoka right Mm. we've watched back episode eight and we've gone it's a little bit weird that kanan's kyber crystal comes out of nowhere yes let's just add a scene quickly where he Mm -hmm. where it just shows him going I'm good to go. And he shows he's got a necklace with his kyber crystal on. Yeah. That is the kind of stuff that reshoots are used for all the time. It's like, oh, we're missing like a bit mm-hmm. of context here yes. to keep the thing through. Because when you're coming up with a story, you think about the big bits that matter. And mm-hmm. sometimes you've got to think about how did you get from A to B to C. And sometimes yep. it's not quite right. And they want to reshoot something to tidy it up a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. I can't think of any modern production where the writer has nailed it so well that they don't need to reshoot anything. Yeah, no, there's... Especially as well, like you say, usually it's in editing where they realise, oh, we need this bit of context. Especially because, like, they'll film it with a set, like, time, like of the, okay, this is going to go into this, lead into this. When you're editing, things get shuffled around a little bit, and you're like, ah, oh, shit, we need something now actually to tie them together because it's, like, rearranged. I find it it's imp- it's it's like they're they're just straight up lying to try and spin this in a good way. They're like, oh, we couldn't reshoot because there was strikes. We're not delaying. This is what like they've told the director, like, no, you this this is all you've got. Make it work. And then they've gone, we can spin this into good publicity for us though, because we could be like, oh my god, Loki's the first se- first thing we've never had to do reshoots because we're just that good at it now and it's like yeah everyone's just going to smell the bullshit but even if we were confident that they nailed the story so much they didn't need reshoots this show is centered around time travel yeah that is one of them topics where reshoots should almost be compulsory isn't it yeah it's just i I guarantee you like even ignoring like any potential big things there is going to be at least one episode where they go from somewhere where it's really wet to somewhere where it's really dry and they're not wet oh yeah there's going to be continuity errors all over the place 100 percent. and and they're going to be things that idiots like me and you who pay too much attention and the rest of twitter notice (laughs) the real thing is is there going to be anything so big that my girlfriend goes, that didn't make any sense. Mm. And that is my rule of thumb over whether I'm being anal or not. Yeah. Because if she looks at me and goes, no, 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 I'm you... a bit confused about all that. Yeah. I'm kind of like, okay, I understand that because I spend half my life <laughs> reading yeah. stuff and keeping up to date. Yeah. If the person who has watched everything Marvel related and watches it as it comes out is lost, mm. you fucked it. Yeah um and that's going to be the the real test 
Yeah, I think if there's anything glaringly wrong, then it's like, okay, that clearly wasn't shot in that order and you've like not been able to piece it together smoothly. Or like, yeah, continuity errors, it could be anything. I just find it like it's this feels and this screams like classic marketing of like, oh, we'll spin this thing that might cause us a problem into something positive to hide the fact that like we had no choice in this. It's like rather than the headline being, oh, Loki couldn't do reshoots because of strikes, but still plans to release, they're like, oh, we didn't need to do reshoots. Um, the story is as we wanted it. It was Which... absolutely Disney did not just want to leave a gap in their calendar because we said it time and time again. Once gaps started appearing in the calendar is yeah. when people were going to start going pay the people their money. They needed to get this done before them gaps started to creep in, which yeah. is why they've caved and paid the writers because they've run out of stuff that could be turned into products. Mm -hmm. And then they will cave in the next couple of months and pay actors so that they can get back on top. Mm -hmm. of producing content there might still be a gap but they will hide that gap as best they can with delays and reshuffles of projects and um, which we've seen three times already i will say we are i i am obviously hopeful that loki season two is good we are a lot i would say i'm and i think you're the same now a days mcu doesn't get the pass that it once got no not it's at all. It's fly, like it's recent showing with its shows. I'm going into this expecting a pacing issue. I am expecting the final episode to be a rushed mess. Yeah. Um, and I hope to be pleasantly surprised. I hope that this kind of like opens up more of the Kang stuff and kind of sets up some new things and doesn't actually answer everything. Um, I'm. Well, I mean, there is big questions to be asked about the Kang stuff. Because we had Jonathan Majors on top of the world after Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, and Creed 3. Mm -hmm. Then there was him being arrested. And all the trials. Uh, and everything. Uh, by the sounds of it, there won't be a trial because all the charges oh, yeah. got dropped. But were they dropped because he didn't do anything wrong and it was actually a misunderstanding? Was he never actually charged? Or was the person who accused him too scared to go any further? And it's it. He's very much been told, Allah, what we expected Warner Brothers to do with Ezra Miller, um, go sit in that corner, gut the fuck up, stay let quiet, pass. let it pass. Don't yeah. make any noise. Don't bring any attention to yourself. It's a two week news cycle. If you can stay quiet for two months, yeah. When it eventually comes back to us needing you for stuff, mm -hmm. you'll be out of ninety nine percent of the public's minds and you both do whatever you want yeah and i mean with loki now coming and probably start reappearing again and also the strikes all being over disney's going to be pushing them to all do press because they need oh no act strike still on oh yeah act one is still on yeah so after us uh, so yeah, yeah there is going to be no press for loki yeah forgetting which actually in a way works in their favor a hundred percent yeah it's it, this this season's going to be interesting i'm hopeful I just worry from the current track record we're getting from Marvel with our shows that it's not going to be anything special. The The thing we need to remember, and I, I especially can sometimes be a victim of this, 
because while I do have my own thoughts, I do. I'm always interested in what the community has to say, because sometimes they make me consider things from a different point of view, or this, that, or the other. Mm-hmm. But I'm finding it less difficult, uh, more difficult to engage with the community in an honest way now because it's it's cool to hate stuff. <laughs> well, that's and always it's the al- case. yeah. It's always been cool to hate stuff, but for the longest time, it was cool to love Marvel regardless. Which meant for a little while I was the arsehole. I went well, that wasn't actually good enough. Yeah. Now it's the flip side where it's cool to hate Marvel. So I'm like, no, that was actually okay. Was it perfect? No, but it was, it was okay. And they're like, no, dog shit. Sick of it. Yeah, this goes from one extreme to the other. Yeah. It's like recently we've just seen no one hates Spider-Man more than Spider-Man fans. They just complain <laughs> about everything. Yeah, I, I've, 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 I, I just, it's really difficult to engage honestly with a fan base and try and work out what is valid criticism for not when everywhere where communities meet turns into a bit of a hive mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I know what you mean. So it ends up me kind of having to take that opinion and then kind of deconstruct it, which just had so much more legwork into people being honest about their opinions. Mm. I think Loki is going to be enjoyable. I do expect it to have pacing issues. And I don't know what they're trying to achieve with this series. Yeah, that's what... It it feels like we've had a number of projects centred around opening the multiverse. And Loki was the first one of them, and it wasn't the last one. Um, so where are we now? I worry that this is just going to be like trying to explain more about Kang. Because we've met Kang. Yeah. We've met the the Council of Kangs. Yeah. What is this going to add? Yeah. Um, and if it's not going to add anything, are we just going to be disappointed that it's not adding anything? Or is it going to be so good that we're actually kind of like, you could have just cut all of the Kang stuff out of this and just made it a fun, let's run around time yeah. and solve crimes. Yeah. Um, I guess we'll we'll find out. Yeah, it's it's a odd one. It is. I trust Tom Hiddleston will give us an enjoyable low-key performance. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I trust Owen Wilson will be good as Morbius again. Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing Sylvie again. Mm-hmm. Story-wise, I don't know what I'm expecting, which is kind of nice. But at the same time, yeah. I'm just like, does that just leave room for disappointment? Yeah, I get you. I get you. Um, but yeah, Nerd News Network. Mm. Scrolling. Interesting. One. Oh yeah, there there is <sighs> there is things. I would say on this list. Okay, here we go. We've got three things that make me... Oh, no. Three things that make me kind of happy. And also three things that make me kind of mad. And there's only five things on the list. Fun. (laughs) So. Okay. From November 1st, Disney Plus is going to start cracking down on password sharing. A la Mm. Netflix and only people in the same household with the same root IP, blah, 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 blah. Um, It's it's starting in Canada. Mm. But this is a big problem. So at the minute, um, sharing our Disney Plus account, you have an account for me, Mm -hmm. an account for Jenna. In reality, that could just be one account because we watch the same stuff together 90% of the time. But for that 10%, it's handy. Um, You have my sister. Mm Mm-hmm. You have my father. Mm-hmm. 
you have Jenna's mother and mm-hmm. Jenna's sister. Across currently three households. Really milking this cow. And in the <laughs> new year, it will be four households when me and Jenna move out. Mm. And we pay for it annually, which I believe the last time we got charged was £96. And that gets split between six of us. So it ends up being like, I don't know, like 15 quid for the year. Which Which for Disney Plus, with the stuff they bring out, and the backlog of stuff like Family Guy, which one of the things that I can, one of the few things I can rewatch anytime, it, it is absolutely worth every penny of that. Yeah. However, <laughs> if they go only one household's allowed, my sister, my father, Jenna's sister, and her mother will all lose access to it. Mm. And if me and Jenna want to keep it, after recently moving out and now having to pay for an entire mortgage, an entire <laughs> yeah, you won't property be paying by anymore. ourselves, we'll have to go up from paying a third of the cost to the whole cost. Yeah. Which oh, all yeah. of a sudden goes from 30 quid between us, as well as every like people we care about getting to watch stuff, mm-hmm. to it's now 90, nearly £100 for just the two of us. Well, I would rather they cool. say the base rate is 96 and if you want to have multiple screens, mm. you pay more. I'm I'm a much bigger fan of this method because yep. the, the way it works right. then is you've either got I can watch it and no one else can, and that's £96, but we've all got our own accounts and we can watch it from anywhere. Yeah. At which point, what's the problem? Or you've got if you want four screens, you can pay 120 quid. Yeah. Which would still be much better value for us. Mm-hmm. That'd be 20 pound each a year. That's nothing. Um, And then we can watch it on four different screens at a time. And if we're paying you for four screens, why do you give a fuck where them screens are located? Yeah. So I've recently got kicked off my net off the Netflix account. Oh, really? So me and my sister you, share you've it. You've got, got, and it's it's a funny situation. So the account's technically mine because I got it when I was a student. So I got it on a student rate. So I gave it to my sister, but it was only for like a year of student. It was like an offer or something I got. So then she took over paying it for a while and has pretty much been paying it since because she watches it more than me. So it's technically my account, but she watches it more. And it's finally because I... My girlfriend used it the other day. I haven't actually used it, so it hadn't flagged me. She used it, and then a couple of days later, it was like, you're not at your house. Uh, so, yeah, that account, we're gonna, I need to talk to my sister, and we'll, do, we'll sort that out. But if Disney, at the moment, my Disney account is me, my girlfriend, who technically, our friends that she lives with, like they have an account, so it wouldn't affect her technically. But then it's my mate down south. And then actually, one of the KCP guys uses my account in America. In America. Uh, I don't know how often he uses it anymore, but he probably, maybe he still does. Um, but yeah, that's like, if they cut that out, it's like, okay. 
where you, where it's you and Jenna paying for a full account. I already just pay for it, but it's like suddenly all those other people are either going to make accounts or they're just not going to have like. Oh, if this goes this way, I'm going to be knocking on my neighbor's door going, "Do you guys have Disney Plus?" <laughs> um, yeah, we do. Okay, right. Do you want to cancel it? Connect your Chromecast to our Wi-Fi across the hall, <laughs> yeah. and we'll just between us, we'll pay for Disney Plus, and you can just use our Wi-Fi to watch it, and then we'll be on the same IP. Yeah. Do you it's... like? I'll gen- genuinely more tempted to it's... from my from from my router network up the entire fucking <laughs> apartment block, it... and we'll all just fucking share all our passwords. It baffles me that like Netflix and Disney. And like anytime they do, they're going to make this change. Like they're willing to s- potentially sacrifice. So like it's like okay, you could have four people on one account. Right now they just pay for one account. You're hoping by doing this that those four people then, three of them have to go make new accounts. So you're thinking, oh, we're going to get three people paying for it again. When in reality is, most likely, like in your case. All those other people might, like, one, maybe all of them will get rid of it. So they're losing, like, they think they're going to get, like, tr- four times the pay income from from your account. But the reality is they're going to get maybe two. Where they could guarantee, like you say, offer more screens for a bigger price. Like, sure, it's not going to be the same amount they would make off a whole account. But it's guaranteed, like, you're way more likely to go, yeah, just pay the extra. We can all keep it. Because I actually think people that regularly watch stuff care more about keeping their preferences and their recommendations. If they are forced to lose that, they don't care about, like, they're they're less likely to make a new account. You're more likely to keep those people if you're like, we'll charge you a bit more to keep, but like, you can have multiple screens and you get to keep all of your account preferences and everything. Are you ready for the real kicker? Okay. So. There is a world in which I um have a, I sing a little sea shanty to uh make sure I'm up to date for the podcast. Yeah. Um, and my family no longer have access to Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. And what this turns into, mm-hmm. yeah, is my sister no longer has Disney Plus, so yeah. she's not watching the Marvel shows. My dad no longer has Disney Plus, so he's mm-hmm. no longer watching the Marvel shows. Jenna's mother no longer has Disney Plus, so she's no longer watching the Marvel shows. Mm-hmm. So when a film's coming up, yeah, and I go, "Are we going to the cinema to watch this together?" and they go, "What is it? What do I need to have seen?" and I go, "Oh, you need to have watched these two shows," and they haven't seen it. They're more likely to go, "No, I'm okay. I'd, I'll be confused. I can't be asked." And that is then three less tickets sold. And yeah, three tickets isn't a lot. But I'm willing to bet I'm not the only person in the exact same situation here. Do you know what this... So here's my theory to why now Disney's doing this. It's twofold. One, they've watched Netflix do it. Netflix has probably gone, oh, we haven't lost any accounts. Because everyone's gone, well, fuck's sake, I'm halfway through a show. I'll just make an account for a month. In a month's time, they're all gonna people are gonna finish their shows they were watching and they're gonna cancel their subscriptions. So Disney's going, Oh look, Netflix hasn't had a downtick from it, so it's not a bad thing. We'll do it. Also, we talked about a couple of weeks back the fact that Bob Iger is trying to sell Disney to Apple. 
what looks better when you're trying to sell a business than look at how many more accounts we have on our books than are like thinking like oh this bumps their number up of accounts because they know probably the same situation of netflix if people are halfway through a show all right i'll make it for a month so i can finish my show they'll probably cancel down the line but it like inflates their numbers for a short period of time that's what i the way i think this is coming from but i think in the long run like you say it hurts them in the long run with people wanting to go see the mcu films people already like my sister isn't that excited about mcu stuff anymore because she doesn't she hasn't watched any of the shows on disney plus because she can't be bothered trying to keep up she's working like she works a full-time job she hasn't got time to be watching all of these shows especially if she hasn't watched them and then a film's coming out she's like oh i need to watch all these oh forget it doesn't bother like mcu is not that deep to her and i think that's the case for a lot of people it's like yeah we enjoyed it when it was at the height of the mcu so we're all kind of enjoying the films and we're somewhat intrigued to go see the new ones but then now you're telling us we need to have all these shows but that requires me to pay for disney plus just to watch one like these specific shows and i don't actually want to watch anything else on that no i'm not fucking paying for it like they're just shooting it feels like they're shooting themselves in the foot when there is other options like there's other streaming sites like crunchyroll that does anime you pay for a number of screens like just, like it doesn't have to be ip locked like why is this why do they think this is the only option i have never ever pirated any content there we go not because i'm not smart enough to do it <laughs> simply because i can't be asked not worth the hassle and for the longest mm. time there has been a completely legal and safe way to pay for it and i'm okay to pay for my content However, me and Jenna have already had discussions about the fact that when we move out, if at any point we need to save a couple of quid a month, Netflix is gone. We've both agreed that is the streaming service we use the least. We will happily get rid of that bitch. Yeah, we'll keep it around while we can because there, there is stuff we like to watch on it. But in reality, we'll get to the point where we're like, nope. We might binge it for one more month to make sure we've got everything we want to watch from it. And mm. then it's gone. And we probably would never re-get it back. We'd just move on with our life. Yeah. I'm not sure I'm paying 90 quid a year for Disney+. Plus. Yeah. Um, I think <laughs> I already am like the person that pays for it. So it's like, it won't affect me. I probably will keep paying for Disney Plus because it's like, unless I'm in a situation where like I need to cut down my yeah. But like Netflix, I'm not getting. I'm not going to go. Like I'm gonna. Um, my plot essentially, I'm gonna give my sister my account and be like, yeah, do what you want with it. I'm like, I will maybe get Netflix when the new season of Stranger Things comes out. I will pay for a month, binge it. That's all, I'll, and then it's gone yeah. again. Like. There's a world where things slow down, like they're saying they're going to do on Disney, where I'm just paying for it on the odd month here and there. Yeah, you 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 pay for it the day before Ahsoka comes out. You get two months to watch all of Ahsoka, then you cancel again. Yeah, the only like, over the course of the year, you'll probably only end up being unsubscribed for like maybe two or three months, but it it'll saves. be more money in your pocket. The thing as well is like. 
we've said to be honest star wars is keeping me on disney plus more than marvel is and it's yeah. like if disney wants to sell and they end up having to sell off some of their ips and star wars ends up no longer part of disney there ain't no fucking reason for me to be like like no. yeah it just I... is we need canada to stand strong yeah and not go and make new accounts or anything and just be like no fuck you disney and they go ah shit this isn't gonna work it's um it's a tricky one for sure um but it's fine because disney have already lost one war <laughs> the yeah. vfx workers at disney have voted unanimously to unionize there's a surprise and they are apparently already looking to um join with other external vfx mm. artists to give themselves more bargaining power to Smart. fight for their rights. They're probably going to the um, biggest external ones that do work for Disney. And yeah. Just go find all of the artists, get mm -hmm. them all to sign up to this union, and collectively stick a giant middle finger up to all of the yeah, massive companies. Studios, yeah. And here's the thing. We predicted that streaming services were going to all of a sudden start announcing things that were going to cost us more money the second the wga deal went through we knew that me and you sat there and, we, and i said i'm pretty sure last week i was like so get ready for the price announcers yeah. um and that's what netflix have announced mm -hmm. netflix have announced they will be raising their prices again soon yeah it's... depending on how much they try and raise that price there is a real chance that i just look at jenna and go is there anything you desperately care about on netflix and she's she'll go oh we still got two episodes of sex education to finish i'm like sweet Let's go through. We will create like a third profile. We will go through, find any shows that we both want to watch. Yeah. We will go through, we will watch them. Then once we're done, cancel it. That's nine quid, ten quid a month back in our pocket. Netflix is very quickly, if it, I feel like raising its prices, the current state of things, I definitely see all these streaming services kind of having a bit of a collapse in popularity yeah 100% speaking um, of bad popularity <laughs> this is one of them things that makes me smile Harry so yeah. um, towards the end of the writer strike Drew Barrymore who I always used to like so this made me quite sad um, decided to try and bring back her daytime talk show without the writers Scab, scab, scab. Um, and now that the writers are no longer on strike, mm. she has reportedly been told by her old writers that they will not be coming back to work for her because she tried to work without them. Yep. Valid. And, Very valid. And apparently some of the first writers she's gone back to... Or reached out to. Yeah, reached out to to take over writing it have gone, no, fuck you. Yeah, we're not coming to work on your show. That's really funny. And this goes to what we were talking about. If you scab, it mm. can ruin your fucking career. Now, Drew Barrymore is famous enough that she will find other work. Um, but this could kill this show of hers. Yes. This very big project of hers that she cares about a lot, that has her name plastered all over it. And if the reason it gets cancelled is no one wants to work on the show because of Drew... That really limits her ability to be a major part of projects. Well, yeah, this 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 could very easily go. No writers, 
are willing to work on it. Um, or the ones that are are young, new, don't have a lot of experience, so they're ba- they're not writing the best stuff. Or she tries to run it without writers, popularity goes down, gets cancelled, show is gone. This goes back, like you say, when we talked about actors scabbing or coming out with the the wrong opinion to be having against the strikes. Um, you're just putting a target on your back to essentially screw yourself out of work and out of opportunities. And yeah, she's she's just gone and done that to herself, essentially. Yeah, hundred um, percent. And it's funny. Don't yeah. be a piece of shit. These yeah. people are working. <laughs> Don't try giving and... you like. Let's be honest. Drew Barrymore. I mean, actually, it's probably information we can fucking find. How much? She does like... Drew. Barrymore make if you're gonna episode. try and work like scam the system and work around what you're meant to do like if you're trying to do something you're not meant to do and now you're getting burnt for that decision it's deserved she probably makes plenty she should have just gone and made a podcast with other talk show hosts to kill the time so, people doing similar shows to her yep. have earned anywhere between 1.5 to 8 million an, uh, annually. So, she's earning somewhere in that range. Yep. Probably, I'd say, based on the names there, about $2 million a year. Yeah. Over three years the show's been running, that's about $6 million she's made. Mm-hmm. I'd be surprised if all of the writers who've worked on that show over the three years have made that combined. Yep. They, you need them more than they need you. Because guess what? There will always be another actor. If all of the writers refuse to work for you, there will not always be another writer. And yeah. writers are the people who, like you said, if you have to go to such shit writers or such inexperienced writers who don't know what they're doing in that kind of a show, mm-hmm. The quality's going to fall off, the ratings are going to plummet. And the studio's going to pull the plug. And it's going to get cancelled, and a cancelled show looks a lot worse for you as the name on the show. Um, So, in me saying something that I didn't think would have to be said to an industry veteran like Drew Barrymore, you reap what you sow. Yeah. Well deserved. I like, I, 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 I'm not going to feel sorry for someone who's actively screwing people over mm-hmm. um so yeah would you like some really good news though Hori? some exciting news some phenomenally fucking exciting news so bit of backstory mm. there's this game that came out three years ago called cyberpunk 2077 it got panned and taken off the playstation store because it wasn't good enough when it came out me and Hori have never really subscribed to that. We admitted it has bugs and it has problems, but we both adored it from the day it came out because it is one of the greatest modern games. And also, a lot of the issues weren't actually their own fault. Yes. Um, and over time, it simply got better and better and better, and I'm pretty sure we're both loving the game again right now yeah. with the new updates. In that time, um, the, the universe it's set in has had previous board games and books Mm-hmm. Um, then it had this game, which was set in the future of this universe. Um, and then we got the Edge Runner series, which me and Hori did talk about on this podcast, yes, we did. which we both adored. 
a live action project in the Cyberpunk 2077 universe has been announced with a brand new story. I cannot, cannot fucking wait. I am excited. I am always cautious when video games get brought into live action. Especially I, I, after the quality of a story we had from Edge Runners. I, I concur with that fear. However, CD Projekt Red working with people oh, yeah. has a very good track record. So I'm a bit more confident in being confident. Yeah, no, like I... The Witcher, for instance, I know it had its issues, but overall, The Witcher was a well received show. Yeah. And I mean, The Witcher f- has wavered in fan reception over the last season and this season, more so because that's not CD Projects Red's control. The Witcher yeah. was a series of books that, like, they got the opportunity to make the games for, but there there was already so much content there that that like they don't have control whereas cyberpunk is a world they've built up and it's like okay cg project red came up with everything like this they worked on edge runners with the studio that did it made an incredible story in just six episodes yeah um i'm sure the story will actually be great it's just i i think it's like I was so blown away with how good Edge Runners was. It unfortunately has raised my expectation. 100%. So Edge now Runners I'm like, is art. I need it to be as good as Edge Runners, which is like, I think unfair, but. <laughs> I don't think you could ever ask anything to be as good as um, Edge Runners. But it could be very exciting. And it's, it's so exciting. Um, the... And I'm actually really excited that they're not just trying to make the game a film. Yes, I think they know. Like the reason they did Edge, that it's better to use the world to tell other stories than to try and just tell the story of the game that everyone's played. You know me, when it comes to games, I'm not much of a lore guy. Mm. I am not ashamed to admit that I watched a four-hour YouTube video breaking down the history from like 1980 through to 2077 of the cyberpunk world. And all the corporations and everything. Yeah, to explain everything and how it all went down and why stuff happened and this, that, and the other. It is a phenomenally well put together world. Mm-hmm. And like we said before, you've got high fantasy guys and you've got sci fi guys. I'm a sci fi guy. Yeah. So while I can enjoy Lord of the Rings, the way it's structured bends my brain a bit too much. Whereas Cyberpunk, because of the way it works, instead i'm kind of like yeah no it's my shit plus it's like about a post-apocalyptic world because we let corporations go and i love sitting here and just going see you need to yeah. be scared um but yeah i cannot wait and th- like this project one of them few things that i'm just like yeah i want it i want it now it could be on it yesterday 100 there is so many good stories to be told in that world um mm. and i cannot wait to decide see what they come up with be great talking of great stories <laughs> nice i'm on fire today you are content championship time yes another round two star wars rebels versus harry potter and the prisoner of azkaban this is a toughie but we have six categories to help us make the decision 
We do. That's not relevant. How well has it aged? Rewatchability, story, acting, and cinematography slash general visual appeal. What's interesting? Because obviously this is round two. I look back at my notes from the rounds they won. Yes. In the round Souls Rebels won, I hadn't watched it yet. Yes. I forgot about that. And I had to be very careful about things that I mentioned yeah. so as to not spoil anything. So this is actually a fair fight now. Hmm. Well then, let's start with personal relevance for you, because it's fresh. Well, I mean, yeah, the, uh, the best I can put it is it's part, it's a big part of my resurgent love towards Star Wars media. I feel like when we started this podcast, no one who knows me would have described, described me as a Star Wars guy. I watched it because it was my nerd duty. I went and I watched the new films as they came out because it was my mm. nerd duty. But other than that, I was pretty easy. I was pretty breezy. Um, I'd watch bits and pieces of the Clone Wars, but I'd never got through it all because ADHD brain go brr and 10 seasons <laughs> is a lot. It is. Um, but look at me now. Yeah. I I even surprised you earlier with my knowledge of... Yeah, you've done your own research and didn't come yeah, with man, I'm, questions. I'm yeah, boy. We we out here. Um, Rebels is great. I love it. What more can I say? The problem is, it is up against the greatest Harry Potter movie. <laughs> Which you have a lot more personal elements to. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm in spitting distance from where this film was made. From where this film is celebrated every day. Yeah, see, I think I'm thinking back to what... I don't remember exactly what I said last time, because obviously with Rebels, I was careful. But I mean, yes. Rebels, definitely for me, I watched so i i went back and rewatched clone wars straight into then rebels which i hadn't seen and i would say that rebels along with clone wars but like rebels really did unlock a new appreciation and love for like the animated and the extended stories that were being told outside of the films and really did like lock me back into loving star wars a lot more um and then i mean with prisoner of azkaban i think i said this last time like i i've watched the films i am not some big harry potter fan obviously i enjoy them every british kid like it's part of the culture yeah <laughs> um and i would agree prisoner of azkaban is one of the the better ones i have only really watched i think i said back then i only really watched each of the films once or twice i've not really rewatched them a lot so for me rebels is a lot means more to me but i do appreciate how far yeah, the, the era that. that it was um how well have they aged I feel like I'm saying this with every time we mention Star Wars in any, like, whatever it is. But it's like, it ages better with the more stuff that comes out. And now with Ahsoka out and completed, I feel like Rebels has, this This essentially is Rebels Part 2. It's like, it's an extension of a lot of the things that were set up in Rebels. And it's just made it age better. 
because there's more context to it now. So I simply put, better by the day, it seems. <laughs> yeah, um, pretty much. Yeah, no, you, you, you're completely right. It is um, a lot of emphasis right now from the Filoni side of Star Wars mm-hmm. is focused on building out this universe so that it makes a lot of sense to even the more casual fans. Because yes. a lot of this breadth of knowledge was available to Star Wars Universe if you were already in love with it and wanted to go and find out the information. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Star Wars could also be this kind of thing that you just, oh, cool, there's wars going on in space. I don't need to know more than that. And you don't. To yeah. enjoy Star Wars, you don't need to know more than that. Um, But just adding so much context easily accessible and digestible if you can add this much context to the universe and the big players in it and who matters and who doesn't matter and this, that, and the other, just from stuff I can sit down and watch, mm-hmm. bravo. Um, yeah. However, as as we said when we were when we were initially discussing Harry Potter, Harry Potter's aged really well. The internet literally went into meltdown when it got announced that all the Harry Potter films were coming to Netflix. Yeah, it had been ten years since the last one came out, and the internet literally had Harry Potter trending for a day when it found out they were all going to be on Netflix for the people to be able to binge again. That yeah. is because I think his the, the the problem Rebels has is a lot of people who would class themselves as diehard diehard Star Wars fans have yeah. not watched Rebels. That older generation especially. Yes. The people who went and saw the original trilogy in cinema and have loved Star Wars ever since yeah, are the, also the generation that don't view animated media as kindly. Yeah. And they will still class themselves as diehard Star Wars fans and they probably are diehard Star Wars fans. But they might not have seen Rebels. Oh no, I agree with you. There was a lot of... <laughs> That they probably saw Ahsoka appear in Mandalorian well, and went, "Who's this bitch?" The, there's some of that. There's there was definitely a lot of people I saw was like, "Wait, for this Ahsoka show, we have to watch some kids show," and it's like people then being like, "It's more than a kids show," but like the first that, season is a kids show, and then they've got you. That, that's the thing. Like it's, I, I agree. A lot of the the diehard Star Wars fans don't appreciate Rebels. A lot more of them are, and as time is going on, I think our generation's taken over, and it's like it's more people are appreciating what David's been building. But I do agree. In the grand scheme of things, I would say Harry Potter has only aged better as time. It's become more and more of this like cult following and this like huge fan base that is spread globally. And while yes, the Brits love it the most. There is just as many fans of Harry Potter around the world. Put it um, this way. They have just opened. So for those who don't know, I'm not going to box myself too much. <laughs> um, the Harry Potter studio tour mm. is literally 30 seconds away. Yep. That tour has been so successful that they've created a similar one in mm. Japan. Yeah. That is doing really well as well yeah it's crazy popular um and while i was working at mcdonald's mm-hmm. many years ago now 
we would have kids come in when I was working my early Saturday morning shift who are on their way to the tour. <laughs> now, I'm talking kids who are younger, like born after the last film came out. Yeah. They're in full-on Harry Potter gear, struggling to stay still because they are so excited. <laughs> They've never That's... seen a Harry Potter book come out no. or a Harry Potter film get released. That is all purely from just consuming the content post-mortem and, and going, parents. oh my god. Yeah, 100%. Um, but the, the, the ability to uh, inspire kids in such a way while not having the big hype of a big release to help pull them in mm. is crazy. Yeah. Like, when we talk about Star Wars, we always talk about how the first generation had the original trilogy then our generation had the prequels and the next generation has the sequels mm -hmm. and everyone's protective over their own trilogy. Yeah. Souls needed three trilogies to grab three different generations of kids. Yeah. Harry, Potter's just Star uh, Harry Potter's managing to do it without releasing anything new. They're yeah. just like, your parents love this so much, they're going to show it to you and you're going to love it as well. And do you know what my biggest gripe with Harry Potter is? The bitch who wrote it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, Literally, the, my only issue. I would agree. I think with how well it's aged, you've got to look at it this way: Star Wars, yes, Rebels is aging well and better because of additional content. Additional content is boosting it even more, and we're like appreciative of the the stuff that set up things. At the end of the day, Harry Potter's done coming out. Like Harry Potter is out; it's there, but yet it's still aging well without anything new coming along that's adding to it. Like, it just keeps aging well. So I think you can't, you can't really argue <laughs> you can't. anything else. And it sucks for Rebels. But it is that difference. It's the difference between, like, having an okay wine that's given, like, the best barrel and the best conditions to age versus the bottle that sinks to the bottom of the Titanic that somehow ages beautifully despite no extra effort being put in. Yeah. It's just this weird kind of thing. Rewatchability. Um, for me personally, it is far too soon to tell what I think the rewatchability of Rebels is. I'm like, I finished it less than two months ago. Oh, sorry, about two months mm. ago. Um, right now, I doubt I'll ever rewatch it. I feel like everything that's going to be really relevant for it is going to come out while it is still fresh enough in my mind with how good mm. my memory is for stuff like this. Maybe in 20 years' time, I'll be like, fuck it, I want to rewatch the Filoni era. But... I, I will say, as someone who watched Rebels like a couple of years back now, I haven't gone back and rewatched it. Like, it's fresh enough in my head of like what happened, and it's like, especially with all the Ahsoka stuff that's come out, it pulls up a lot of references on the internet, refreshes your mind. I don't need to go back and watch that. And I would actually say, if I was to rewatch it, I'd probably be doing it as part of a binge through the animated Clone Wars into Rebels, into Bad Batch. Um, do like an animated binge, which at that point, it's like, it's a big undertaking. But then when you look at Harry Potter, and I feel like I can't just I like if Prisoner of Azkaban's on TV. Hell yeah, I'll rewatch it. Like I'll pick that to rewatch. 
But am I going to re- only watch Prisoner of Azkaban? Probably not. I'd probably want to watch through the Harry Potter films. That's the only time that I'm going to rewatch Harry Potter is if I'm rewatching them all. I'll be honest, rewatchability is always the category I struggle the most with because I'm not a big rewatcher. Yeah. It, it, it is. I'm such a go next kind of guy in my gaming. Like, I'll play yeah. a game, I'll get to a point 70% through the story, and I'll be like, oh, next thing. Next thing, next thing, next thing. Yeah. It is one of my biggest failures, and I'm working on it. I'm going back to games I've not touched in ages to finish them off and stuff. Um, and I'm doing it with shows, shows that I started, and I was like, oh, I'll get around to finishing that at some point, and then I move on to the next thing. I'm I'm trying to make an effort to go back and be like, no, fucking finish this. Mm. Um, Which just doesn't add a lot of time for rewatching when there's so much stuff coming out. And I'm not complaining, because I love how much new stuff we get and how exciting it is, and like, we're never going to be in a place where Harry Potter's coming out for the first time and we get to sit down and discuss it for the first time, which is why I love yeah. new stuff so much. Because it's me and you, we get to we get to sit at home individually, watch mm-hmm. Ahsoka. I get to see you and Luke have your fucking oh, hidden messages. Yeah. I, get, I genuinely sit there like a fucking child on Christmas Eve watching Ahsoka, waiting for the episode to finish, having already enjoyed it, to click on all them buttons. And I was like, oh my God, I didn't even notice that. Oh my God, I thought the exact same thing. It's fucking awesome. I love it. It's one of the best things about doing this podcast. Um, but at the same time, if I was going to rewatch anything, you are looking at binging Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, but only the actual episodes, not yeah. the in-between stuff, and Harry Potter. They're the yeah. three. Um, and Harry Potter is here. One of the episodes of Star Wars is not. So Harry Potter, I am more likely to rewatch. It's also, re- re-watching four seasons of Rebels is like, what, 20 minutes an episode, three seasons of 24, uh, three episodes is an hour, seven, eight hours a series for the first three I, series, 24 yeah. hours. So, like, time commitment wise, rewatching all of Rebels takes about as long as rewatching Harry Potter. And here's the thing for me, I'd have to rewatch, I'd want to rewatch Clone Wars stuff as well oh, first. Yeah. And this is so the then thing. it's like Star Wars just becomes this bigger thing. Like, Harry Potter is already like a big thing to rewatch. But, like, but you actually, could do that in a weekend. Like Star Wars and very quickly becomes like a bigger thing to rewatch. It to, to binge everything in one go at the moment, Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter you can do in a weekend if you plan it right. Yeah. Star Wars you're booking a week off work and having to plan it meticulously. And Marvel you're never rewatching it all in one go. No. Star Wars you could um, do in a weekend if you stuck to films. Yeah, if you just stuck to films, you could absolutely do it. But like you said, all the extra stuff. Attack of the Clones is shit. Do you really (laughs) want to go from Attack of the Clones into Revenge of the Sith about Clone Wars to ease you up? True. Of course you don't. Um, So these are the kind of things you have to think about. Um, Now those bigger categories. Yeah, these are the ones that are a little bit less personal, I feel. Yes. Story. Um, I don't know if this is controversial for Rebels or not because I'm not really interacted with that community much but I think every season is better than the last oh yeah the, it, it it had a very strong upswing yeah. because oh, yeah. like, like Clone Wars the first season or so was to convince mm-hmm. the executives it was for kids and it could sell toys 
And then once they were selling toys, it was, okay, are you ready for the political stuff? Are you ready for the scientific stuff? Are you ready to question if God is real? It's also, I think, as well, when Dave starts a new thing like Rebels, George is, like, giving him a bit of the reins, and it's, like, season two seasons, okay. He's, like, letting him off the reins more. You can have more freedom to come up with stuff of your own. And, like, I trust you enough to, like, you are building something that is worthwhile. I'm not, like... It's like it is. You're not wrong at all. Rebels is definitely an upswing because of a lot of different things. But it's kind of like as it goes on, Dave's getting more freedom to really just like explore Star Wars. Yeah. So it, it, the story grows, and I actually think Rebels has a really cool story among Star Wars. Rebels goes from villain of the week yeah. or sorry like problem of the week yeah let's go we need fuel for this thing which makes complete sense it's not even done in a bad way it just makes complete sense to so buy the end of it i mean you could even tell in like my messages that i was talking through it i went from going oh i finished season one oh, i finished season two mm. oh this blue guy's kind of interesting um what the fuck is the wolf why is he blind <laughs> why has he got the same name why as he cut his hair off what's going on yeah um all of a sudden it becomes like this much deeper story because yeah. it's building something that already happens. Like mm -hmm. we know the the rebellion comes to an end and they win. Yeah. So like you've got to get to the point where it's not just like all of a sudden, oh, they refueled their ship enough times that they won. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, but Harry Potter might be the greatest modern British story. Yeah. But then you've kind of got to look at this as just Prisoner of Azkaban. It's solid, man. It is. You get serious black. Oh. You're frozen okay. horizontal. No, you're fine. We good? Okay. Yeah, you're fine on my end. Um, yeah, we get we get um serious black for the first time we get mm. dementors mm -hmm. we get lupin as a werewolf mm -hmm. we get the bu the buckbeak saga is phenomenal that's one of the first times as a child in media i really felt like um uh, this is wrong moment what can we do to fix it mm. the reveal of the time turner yeah which had been used throughout the film as like a plot point. The time turn is used a lot better in the book, in all fairness. Um, once I read the book, it helped me understand the time turner in the film much better. Right. But this much later, it's kind of difficult to discern what I got from what. Um, but I, 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 I think pure story-wise, Order of the Phoenix as a book was better. But adapted into a film, the story of Prisoner of Azkaban is so solid, so good, and the film gets it across so well. Mm. It it it's phenomenal. It's magnifique. I think for me, like I don't get me wrong, Azkaban, like you say, is it, it so introduces good. so so many great things into the story. And I, I do think it's like a quite a pivotal point in the Harry Potter story as well. I think the, my bias of Star Wars is just like Rebels opened up so much cool stuff and explored some new places in Star Wars. It's like the stories are strong on both parts. 100%. It's really hard. 
acting. Now, Man. I've just realized I've made a mistake in my comment here. Because oh. what I put was contains the best voice acting in Star Wars. I forgot that Darth Vader and James L. Jones is voice acting. So I'm going to tweak this slightly to contains some of the best voice acting in Star Wars. Okay. <laughs> um, um, I will say one thing. Well, Lars Mikkelsen. Yeah. He's so, so good. So good. That voice of Thrawn will put fear into anybody. <laughs> the, the Grand Inquisitor fought Thrawn. Um, Freddie Prince Jr. as Kanan was a yes. fucking masterstroke. It is top, top voice acting. We had Sam Witwer back as Darth Maul. Darth Maul. So good. Yeah, like, it, was, it was so, so good. So many iconic moments. But you are always limited when it is a show designed to be 20 minutes an episode. Yeah. Because it's on Cartoon Network. Yeah. And, like, they're not going to have the budget, like, a full film would do. Well, or yeah, the, or even a live action stacked. show would have. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it kind of, like, as much as I adore the Rebels voice acting, are we even remotely going to compare the quality of acting in an animated show? designed for Cartoon Network to some of the greatest British actors of all time. I feel like... Do we have the balls to do some, this? Sam <laughs> Witwer's performance... Okay. I would say was like... That is... A, that, that, the yeah. things he managed... That is an like, all-timer. Those, mo those scenes, and everyone's seen them, like, next level. In general... I mean, yeah, Harry Potter's fucking stacked. Like, yeah. you stacked it with some great actors and actresses around these kids that it's made their career, and it's an incredible story. Like, it's, it was just a recipe for success. <laughs> yeah, 100%. They didn't pull any punches. So, so like, we're going to go out. This this book is taking the, the British Isles by storm. Hmm. We're gonna we're gonna send it out to actors once we've got a script. They all fucking adored it. Yeah. And they all got on board. We had Al this cost is ridiculous when you think mm -hmm. about it. What was the budget for Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone? Oh. I hate that Google tries to tell me they're Sorcerer's Stone. It <laughs> had a budget of 125 million US dollars. Bearing in mind the CGI they had to do and the practical stuff they had to do at the time for some of the magical stuff. As well mm. as the absolutely outrageous cast they had. That's wild. Yeah. And by Prisoner of Azkaban, it was only 130 million. When you bear in mind how much more famous everyone was by that point, only spending an extra 5 million US dollars is fucking wild. Mm -hmm. It's because they all loved Harry Potter. Yeah, they were all in it, man. They knew the story was good, they trusted it. I, I I don't want this to come across as a slight to Rebels because it's some of the best voice acting I have seen top to bottom across yeah. the show. But it does not hold a light to Harry Potter. Especially yeah. The Prisoner of Azkaban. It's just a tough... Because that's also... Basic. Prisoner of Azkaban is the first time the kids really come into their own yeah. characters as well. It is. It's just... Yeah, it's just a tough facing for Rebels, unfortunately. 100%. Um, cinematography. 
solid animation. Mm-hmm. I do prefer Clone Wars characters and stuff. Yeah. But the lightsabers in Rebels, I know they were controversial at the time. <laughs> I personally adore them. Mm-hmm. And I mean, some of those scenes that we got with Maul, with the circle, we got the world between worlds. Like, mm-hmm. some of the stuff that we got to visually see. Um, like they were they 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 were shot and created in such a good like such a visually good way. Like on top of the animation that we'd kind of come to love from Clone Wars, the lightsabers. I also I had nothing against Michael. I enjoyed how they were. I think it all was very well visually told. Harry Potter was also very well <laughs> shot and put together. And... Harry Potter was okay. I don't think the cinematography was ever a particular selling point of Harry Potter. Um, it wasn't ugly. It definitely I, wasn't ugly. I think where Harry Potter did well, although it wasn't anything crazy like in how it was shot, the fact that they were so committed to practical yes, is what sold that, that universe in film. It's also worth remembering there was eight Harry Potter films and they had four yeah. different directors. Mm-hmm. That that kind of meant there wasn't too much directorial style put onto yeah. it. Um, I will say there are themes throughout it, um, throughout the films, where the style changes purposefully. Mm. But that is over the course of all seven films. Yeah. Where it gets a bit darker as Harry understands well, yeah. the shit he's in, um, and that works. But mm. that's that'd be complementing the cinematography style over the course of eight films, yeah. not just this one. I would say, let me think. Prisoner of Azkaban. I think we had some very interesting decisions with the way they played with light, with it being the first darker story. Mm. Um and stuff like that but overall i don't think it was anything spectacular yeah um i would actually give visual appeal personally to rebels here yeah because i think, I think although like I said they nail the practical effects in harry potter the animation style of rebels and the the way they got the most out of it, mm. instead of just trying to go, what would this look like, and then animate that? Yeah, they go, we need this to happen. How can we make that look? Yeah. Oh really yeah, they shoot it. Get, it. Yeah, it put its best foot forward. Yeah, they do it in such a cinematic way. And also, I will always argue that Star Wars is stronger in animation because you can have more fun with the Force and everything. Hundred percent visually 100%. so it's just yeah i think that's where rebel shines are we ready to have the hard conversation the tally up the uh yeah the pivotal moment so personal relevance we were split yeah how well it aged we agreed harry potter yeah rewatchability we agreed harry potter yeah story we gave to harry potter Yeah. It's tough. Acting we gave to Harry Potter. 
yeah, it's it's. I would say story. I'm a bit more rebels, but I mean, where this is we going? We can call story a tie. Yeah, we'll call story a tie. Um, acting, we gave to Harry Potter. Yeah, and cinematography slash visuals we gave to Rebels, so which I believe makes it three for Harry Potter, one for Rebels, one two for tie. Rebels, and two tie. Yeah, it does. Which I believe makes Harry Potter our winner, and I know how much that hurts you. It hurts a lot, but especially especially when I tell you what happens next, it hurts me a lot. Um, especially because we've means... just had a Soaker and just had so much payout off Rebels, but um, this also means that in the next round. Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban will be up against Clone Wars. Animated Clone Wars. Yeah. Another fucking disgusting one to have to discuss. I feel like that's harder for Harry Potter. Yeah, 100%. Um, But yeah, that is it this week. Horry's now going to go cry in a corner. He feels like shit. He hates it here. (laughs) I'll go take some B74 and uh, tear down the world. Yeah, exactly. Um, so next week we will have Loki mm. episode one. Very we exciting. Um, we will finish catching Hurry Up on the Boys. Yep, and, and Gen, Gen v, v. Um, as well as more content Top championship, Rebels. more nerdy news. It's going to be great. Make sure you're liked. Make sure you're subscribed. And we will see you next time. See you next week.